Blog Talk Radio. Bat fans, welcome once again to Matty P Presents Saturday Morning Serial. As always, I'm your host, Grim Shea, and joining me, as always, is Marquis. Say hi, Marquis. Good morning, y'all. All right. Marquis, I got a treat for you. What's that? We're talking about Batman today. Again? Oh, I know how much you love Batman. <laughs> I totally love Batman. I like Batman. I bet people at home probably like Batman. You know what? Number two most popular superhero of all time. Uh, and, and who's and who is number one? Who gives a rat's ass? Yeah. We're talking about Batman today. <laughs> Always. More specifically, now I know you know about it because we got to see it, but what we are talking about today is the new documentary uh-huh. starting to make all the rounds, Legends of the Night, spelled with a K. Yeah. I bet you probably figured that out, but just so you know, it really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what makes this different? from your typical Batman documentary? Well, it's it's that it basically assumes that you already know who Batman is. Good assumption. Yeah. I mean, it's... Um, and if you don't know who Batman is, you know, get onto the Internet, watch a movie, read a comic, read a book, watch a TV show. Batman's there somewhere, and you can learn all about it. True, true. We're not here to waste your time telling you about Batman. We're Don't actually come here, here wasting my time asking about him. This movie, We Are the Night. Um, no, it's a Legends of the Night. Legends yes, of the Night. You're so close. I'm, the website's called We Are Batman. That's true. Okay. We Are the Night. Legends of the Night. Legends of the Night. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let's do this again. No, I like it. Keep it, keep it going. This show, this movie, Legends of the Night, is about what Batman means. It is. That's, it is. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. It's not about who Batman is. We all know who Batman is. Yes, it's, it's about it's, no. what Batman means to us. Um, yeah. It's and, not an allegorical Christopher Nolan dark trip into the, into the Batman psyche. This is actually about not Batman the hero, Batman the folk hero. Right. And, and by that, what I mean is that... Everybody knows Batman's a fictional character, and we're okay with that. Sure. But he still is in our lives. He's a touchstone that we can all relate to. And at this point, if you're 79 and you say, Batman, ugh, that's a new fad, you're on the wrong side of history. Yep. We've, we've all seen it. We've all heard it. He's made billions of dollars. We can accept that he's there. But what else is he doing? What is he doing aside from being a character on a comic book page or an animated TV show or a blockbuster movie. Well, Marky, what does Batman mean to you? 
Are you really asking me that right now? Well, I, I, maybe maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> no, it's okay to ask me that. Well, look, um, I think there is a reason why um, you see it in the movies and in the TV shows of you know that cater that that highlight Batman and that um, describe him more. But there's there is that there's always a bat signal, right? And when you see the bat signal, it's this, you know, ultra high powered beam and it goes up into the clouds and you see the bat symbol, you know, to me, that's what Batman is, right? Mm-hmm. It's that symbol that someone is there and someone is watching and someone cares. Uh, and, you know, heck, it, it turns out to be real. And, and that's what this particular movie highlights is that that feeling of, of hope and of security and that somebody cares uh, manifests itself into the lives of ordinary slash extraordinary people. Yep. Yep. I think that was a, uh, that was very well put because that's this movie doesn't have one shot of, of Batman jumping into the Batmobile. Nope. There's, there's nobody, you know, uh, leaping off a tall building in downtown Gotham. This is all real people. And he goes out and he talks to uh, a number of subjects. Uh, one great example that I can give you guys right now, even though it technically isn't in the movie, I think it's, it, it's just too recent. But we all heard about, a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. San Francisco, the Bat Kid, the, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, mm-hmm. where they got together and uh, this poor, sick, uh, three- or four-year-old kid who's a big Batman fan, they, they got a, a, a guy dressed as Batman in a Batmobile, and they took him from the hospital, and they went and foiled a, a, you know, like a bank robbery, and, uh, and they went and rescued the, the, the giant's mascot from, from the, the penguin or something. But, <laughs> of course. You know, and then drove him to City Hall and had a big you know, crowds of people cheering and calling him Bat Kid, which is just such, for any kid, that would be a dream come true. And you don't even have to explain it. To Ooh. even a four-year-old that's, ahead of time, that's the difference. you know who Batman is, and you know what it represents. So any, not one article of the hundreds, if not thousands, of articles that were written about that particular uh, occurrence in San Francisco, none of, them none of them had a sidebar telling you who Batman was, right. why the kid right. liked him, what was going on there. It needed no coverage. Just the fact that it was going on was the only, was the only newsworthy angle of the story. And that's what this uh, this movie presupposes. We've all gotten to know Batman. We know he's the superhero without superhero powers. He's he's the uh, I don't want to say bitter, angry kid, but he's he's he is the kid who lost everything, right? And was and was left lonely with money and and anger in his heart, and he turned it around to do something good. He went from devastated Bruce Wayne to Batman. Which and everybody wants to be Batman. Not a lot of people line up to be Bruce Wayne. No, they all want to be Batman, billionaire or not. Everybody, as a kid, says, "I want to be Batman." And and you know, and let let's not get lost that the that what Batman in the movies and the comics and in the TV shows, what he wants is an unattainable goal, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter because he does it anyway, and he gets up every day and he tries every day. 
you know, he puts on the he puts on the cowl and he puts on the belt and he, you know, and he goes out there and he tries and he tries and he tries, and what he wants is not it's never going to happen, right? It doesn't matter. But it and, doesn't mean there isn't progress, and it well, doesn't sure. mean that it's not worth coming back exactly from and, pain. And, and that's uh, what I'm getting to, injury. right? Exactly. To be Batman. And, and so what you see in this particular film and what you saw in the Bat Kid who was in San Francisco recently mm-hmm. is that, you know what, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You're going you're gonna to take this, this, this hope and this feeling and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna go, you're going to press. You're going to go forward and you're going to try. And, you're gonna, and if someone's going to knock you down, you're going to get up, right? Oh, yeah. That's, and and, that's... and that, in, that right there is... That is what makes Batman, who, you know, yeah, well, he's he's a cartoon. Well, I, I would but... say that's what makes what what brings Batman from just an idle distraction to an important. Well, I mean, as as the film puts it, and the film could conceivable. It occurred to me a couple times while we were watching it the other day. It occurred to me this doesn't necessarily have to be about Batman. You know, for all the examples in the film. It is integral. He went with Batman as the example, but what it really teaches us is that uh, we need folk tales. We need larger-than-life stories as kids to play out, to learn our moral code, to, to, you know, I think they put it best in the movie, so go see it. But basically, you get to have that little fantasy in your head where you play out scenarios Mm -hmm. where you are the good guy and you defeat the bad guy, yeah, and and that's that becomes uh, an integral coping it, it, skill. Yeah. It becomes the basis of what you do when you consider what is right and wrong. You know, comes under your purview as an adult. Lots and lots of good coming from not just Batman, although it is is a great example, but uh, it it comes from anywhere, and especially cartoons on Saturday morning. But I don't want to go any further until we talk to uh, Brett Culp, the mind behind well, let's, the movie. Let's tell everybody who we're talking to today. Um, we have... Go ahead. Well, we're going to be... Uh, we're we're going to start off. We're going to talk to Brett Culp, mm-hmm. who is the uh, director, writer, producer, uh, visionary talent behind the movie Legends of the Night. Uh, after that, we're going to talk to a couple of, couple of the people he profiled. Uh, there's uh, Jill Pantosi, mm-hmm. and you nerds out there might know her from her own blog site, The Nerdy Bird, or her work as a senior editor for uh, TheMarySue.com, a feminine slant on the geek culture. And uh, speaking for all geeks, thank God that there are female ones out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always knew they were. I was just playing it cool. I know. Me too. And then we also get to talk to Dr. Travis Langley, Ph.D., uh, a psychology professor at Henderson State University, who, uh, aside from just being a regular Batman fan, a very smart professor who has who even teaches a course entitled Batman, where he <laughs> it, breaks down. He actually talks. Uses all of the Batman characters yeah. and mythos to uh, to describe psychological. Uh, I don't know. I don't take the class, but somewhere in there, I'm, I think I'm getting close. Uh, let's just go ahead and dive right in because uh, we need to talk to Brett Culp. He is the man who is touring the movie around which hopefully will be at a city near you very soon, within the next month or two. And if it is not, you can always go to wearebatman.com for details and even uh, request a screening in your town. Uh, if you're 
If you don't like your town, you can make it near your town. But regardless, you can get online, get a hold of him. He wants to get the film out, and when he shows up to your town, all the proceeds go to a local charity of your choice. I, I, he does not sound like he's in business to make money, Mark. I, I'm sure he'll die of starvation someday. Well, I hope he gets to your town first. <laughs> yeah. Eat all my macaroni. Mm-hmm. In fact, we'd better talk to him before he gets dizzy or divorced. Uh, let's cut right back over to that. Okay, everybody, thanks for joining us. As always, I'm Grim Shea, joined by Marky. Say hi, Marky. Hello, y'all. And joining us on the Matty P Presents Saturday Morning Serial is Brett Culp, documentarian, and uh, I'm assuming Batman fan. Absolutely, absolutely. You assume correctly. Good. That is what we wanted to hear. Uh, we are uh, talking to Mr. Culp today because of, if you haven't heard of it, then you're probably not on all the Batman mailing lists, but his new film, Legends of the Night, is, uh, I believe you're on tour with it right now, and it is coming to a city near you. So be ready for it, people. And uh, in, uh, if I can just briefly describe it for you, it, uh, it, 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 it follows the idea of Batman and how it translates from being a character in comic books, television, cartoons, movies, to an actual relatable force for good in society through individual, ordinary people using it as a, as a folk hero. How did he do on that? Did he, did he get it right, Brett? That, that's a very accurate description. I've never described it quite that way, but that's a very good summary. Oh, well, in that case, I want to hear how you describe it. Yes, my uh, yeah. You know, what I've been – this is a project that has been difficult to describe from the beginning because when I first started, I would say to people, yeah, it's about the power of storytelling and Batman, and people would be like, I don't understand this film. What is it about? And so what I've gotten to say that people seem to understand is it's a film – it's a documentary film where we tell the real, true stories of a unique group of people – all different, different backgrounds, uh, different experiences, but all who were inspired by their childhood love of Batman to become heroes in their real life. So it's people who have overcome difficult struggles in their life and look to Batman as a symbol of, you know, power, like almost like a talisman to, to get through that struggle, to be like, you know, if Batman can do it, I can do it. People who've looked at Batman and said, look, you know, I loved Batman when I was a kid. He went out there and helped his community. I want to help my community like Batman did, um, you know, in those stories. Or little kids who've, you know, needed a father figure in their life and, and didn't have one and kind of looked to the Batman character and said, you know, I want to be strong and I want to be brave and I want to be a hero. And they looked to the, you know, five-year-old version of Batman and the cartoons and the action figures and comic books and were inspired by that. So, you know, we've got this amazing character. You said he's a folk hero, and that's exactly true. And uh, so the film focuses less on you know, the legends that the writers and comic book authors and storytellers have told about Batman and more about what happens, you know, when those stories leave the page and how they affect us and impact the people we become. Well, you know, it, uh, uh, I watched the film a couple nights ago. Uh, I really liked it, by the way, my full recommendation. But one, <laughs> one question that kind of kept creeping into my mind was, uh, I, I couldn't quite tell if you had decided beforehand you wanted to explore the idea of storytelling 
and how it affects people, and Batman was just a very good example, or was uh, the genesis more in the, like Batman specifically when you were yeah, putting it no, all together? You, you, your intuition was very good. You know, I, as a filmmaker, I've spent my life telling these stories and watching how people respond to it and seeing how you know, someone who may have thought one thing before and you could have presented all the facts in the world, you were never going to change their mind. Uh, but then you present them a compelling story, and all of a sudden they shift, and they see things differently. And um, I was intrigued by that and wanted to create a film that explored that and then got to thinking about, well, what would be a way to show a story, take a story that has run through our society for you know, a long time that multiple generations of people have enjoyed and absorbed and have been affected by, and I'm a lifelong Batman fan, so it became obvious Batman was the best character to do it with, and it's led, it led me to an understanding of Batman and of the influence of superheroes and why we love superheroes that I did not have when I started the filmmaking process. Well, do you think there are... Uh... Any other superheroes or, you know, larger-than-life modern myths that have as much or maybe even more impact on society? You know, in the fictional realm, uh, the purely fictional realm, I would say, I would say, I, I mean, I haven't encountered something quite like that um, in, in the research and the things that I've done, particularly from the perspective with Batman of the fact that this character has morphed and changed so much in the public perception over the years and yet has still retained this heroic core. You know, Superman's been around for a long time, but in general, he's always been the same. And characters like Captain America, same thing. And people love Star Wars, but there really is only... Those characters, they, they don't change much um, in terms of the way they're seen. Batman is this malleable, morphing, changing version of himself. And there's the very serious version that the pretend-to-be-grown-ups like us love, you know, <laughs> this dark, brooding Batman. And then there's this version of Batman that the little kids love, and he's the swashbuckling crime fighter, you know, and, and they love that too. And there's nothing else quite like that in our society. It really is pretty amazing how this character can be so many things to so many people. Well, I'm I'm kind of glad that you uh, that you went in that direction because one of the things that uh, we talk about on the show a lot, one of the themes that we like to explore, is uh, is that you, we shouldn't have so much shame, you know, from from not from refusing to let go of uh, you know the childhood, uh, you know, Saturday morning cartoons and after school shows and comic books and stuff that we did as uh, that was viewed as like playthings or pastimes growing up yeah. that we yeah. still like them and we still identify with them i don't we are hoping over time when the show to legitimize that to say it's not infantilism it may be a sort of form of a uh, you know pretend grown-ups as you say but but it seems like all those things, the comics, the cartoons, the action figures, they're all kind of the, uh, the necessary forms of our folk heroes today. That there I, is I would a nobler purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah I would actually, absolutely agree with that. I think there is something very human and very profound in loving superhero characters like Batman. Um, you know, they hearken back to 
this sensibility we have within ourselves that we have the ability to be heroes. And they inspire us to do that. I mean, from the beginning of time, stories have been used to communicate our highest, most important values and morals and, you know, all the things that hold societies and groups of people together have been transmitted from one person to another in the form of a story. And so, you know, I think this natural inclination to want to, you know, share it and be part of it and continue to be part of it is very natural. I think, you know, and I decided not to even address it in the film, I think there is a level of obsession that can be formed that is, a, is more of an escapism than it is a very natural, organic love. I think a natural and organic love is great. I think there is a sort of escapism that pushes us away from the real-life world, and now we're using the Arkham Asylum video games as escape from the real places where we need to be heroes for our family and our friends and our community, and we're disengaging from that to escape into these other things. I think that's not good. But I don't think that's what the vast majority of people who love Batman are doing. I think for them, he's a symbol of power and strength and goodness and integrity and um, heroism that, that we all you know, applaud and aspire to. Well, well that, 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 that brings me to another question that uh, I, I had a few times while watching the movie. And you know, when you were doing your research and putting together the, the people that you wanted to profile – did you come across some people who, like, didn't quite get it? People who had a room full of Batman toys but were in no way just oblivious to the heroic nature, like take no inspiration from it? Yeah, you know, there were people that when we were in production, people could, you know, we had a website up for this film before we ever even started production because we were fundraising through Indiegogo and then later on through Kickstarter. Uh, to create the film. And so the, the website was up, trailers and teasers had been up, and we would get emails from people who said, you should feature me in the film because, um, you know, I, I have the largest collection of Batman action figures in Sheboygan. Or, you know, because I had a walk-through role in one of the Batman movies, and you can see my head right there in the scene in this diner, so you should put me in the movie. And I'm like, you know what, I would ask him, the the question I would ask them back is, okay, so you had this role, you love Batman in this way, write me back and tell me how Batman inspired you to do something amazing in the world. And usually they didn't have a good response for that, and that was the end of our email dialogue. Uh, but, but, yeah, there were people that didn't get it and, and didn't understand exactly what we were about. The trailer kind of fixed that because if you watch the trailer, you pretty much know whether, whether this is you or, or not you. But, um, but, but yeah, it, it never was about, for me, the superficial trappings of people's fandom um, you know, I went to Comic-Con this past year, and we did a panel there about the film. And, you know, I walked around on the show floor, and I loved it. I mean, I geeked out and enjoyed seeing everything. But, uh, but there was also a level of it where I'm like, man, we're, we're just, you know, we've taken our fandom and turned it into just consumerism, um, you know, on some level. And it's, it's just about oh, yeah. how many more things can we get and how many versions of this figure or of this and that. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of that. I own some great Batman memorabilia, but, but I, I'm not a fan of, of, you know, making consumerism your life. So uh, the movie's not really about that. It's, it's, about, the, it's about what's in your heart. 
uh, you know, how Batman you know, affects you in your heart, not necessarily your wallet. Well, well, on the inverse of that, then, did you find anyone who just took it too far? When people who, you know, dangerous entities or putting themselves or right. others in harm's way, was there anyone who took it a little too much to heart? You know, I, d- I didn't end up connecting with any of those kinds of stories. I saw some of them, but, you know, we never pr- – there are stories out there of people who were literally putting on the Batman costume and running around their neighborhood trying to fight crime and, you know, literally creeping people out because they, you know, were jumping off rooftops to scare people that were just innocent passerbyers, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. But, you know, I did encounter some of that. I did receive emails, and there were people that – when they found out about this concept, thought that was the kind of movie we were making, that it was about, you know, um, people who would become real life, you know, Batman doing what Batman does. And I always had to say to them, no, I mean, this is about Batman as a symbol of being a hero, not necessarily inspiring people to put on a ski mask and really punch people in the face. That's a totally different thing. And, And if you can't see the difference you know, between Batman as a symbol of inspiration to do good and help the world and overcome adversity, and all you can see is Batman as a fascist, you know, um, you know, renegade vigilante, and that's the example he's setting. I, I, for me, you kind of miss the point of Batman, but that's just me. Yeah, yeah. no, I think, I think there is a line between those two, uh, and there, there, there probably could be some debate about where to draw it, you know, if yeah. if you're out there and you're you're punching strangers in the face in a dark alley wearing a costume, you've definitely crossed that line. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, <laughs> but there is there is some play between it. I like the. Uh, oh, I'm having trouble remembering the name of the town. For for argument's sake, we'll say the Calabasas Batman, the uh, the, the college student, uh, who profile in the film was in full well not full Batman gear, but was protecting you know his regular identity. And did respect yep. the fact that Batman could be a separate, you know, psyche. Yeah. Uh, but he and he would ride around, and even sometimes he would you know, stand up on the buildings, you know, to strike a Batman pose. Yeah. But I never saw him, you know, try and tackle a mugger <laughs> or. And no. it was very clear <laughs> no, that he no, never no, wanted no, to yeah. get in the way of the police. But yeah, there's yeah, so yeah. clearly he he's on the right side of the line, but you know, you know, one one good uh, meth binge away from crossing it, perhaps. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, know, and that, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I I actually just had um, my my car had just gotten broken into about a week ago. You know, uh, somebody came into my garage and broke the window and you know took some petty stuff. Um, But I was uh, I was watching your film uh, a couple nights ago here, and I was thinking to myself, it would have been, I'll bet you. If somebody knew that there was some guy just 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 walking around watching, that it's probably less likely that they're going to break into a car. You know, like it was yeah, it was yeah. it was funny how how much how how much that little act could actually you know it could really impact and really penetrate um, the actual feeling of security that a neighborhood would have. You know, like what if there was this guy. Whether he's dressed in a cowl or not, if there's a guy perched on a building randomly at any particular night, just kind of watching, <laughs> you know, you know, you're probably less likely to to go in and break that window, you know. And, and you know, um, 
Absolutely. And you're, you're talking about it from the perspective of how would it affect the criminals. The piece of it that's gone through my mind is how would it affect the young people? Like what would it be like if you were a five-year-old kid and you knew that guy was uh-huh. to oh, you? Like how would you process that? I've, I've wondered that. Like, you know, there's a scene in the film where, I mean, I talk to these little kids, and they think this guy Petaluma Batman, they think he's Batman. They think he is patrolling. I mean, I'd like to go back 10 years from now and say, you know, do you remember that guy when you were a little kid? How'd you feel about that? You know, and, yeah. and, um, and see what impact that has on them. It's a, it's a fascinating idea. I mean, although, you know, you're talking about fooling little children. Not that hard to do. Well, but you know what, though? Um, I, I actually have, a, a, I have another little story for you here. Um, one of the youngest, like, one of the earliest memories, probably the earliest in my mind is me going to like a, I think it was a store called White's. It was kind of like a Walmart back in the day. I think it was called White's. Um, and there was a Spider-Man guy there. And it's me and my brother, and I still have like the like Polaroid picture. And it's funny but because when I think of that memory of meeting him, I literally picture Spider-Man flying from the rafters in, the, you know, in this department store <laughs> You know, yep. coming down yep. to meet us. So, yep. you know, it's very impacting um, uh, to see your hero, you know, incarnate. Like when you see him there, when you see him on the streets, when you see him walking around, there is a power that kind of comes over you when you're a kid. I've totally felt that before, you know, you know uh, uh, which is why, you know, uh, Spider-Man is like my top three superheroes of all time. And I think it has a lot to do with yep. that particular moment. And I bet you and your brother felt completely safe that day in Whitestick. I absolutely <laughs> No, no fear at all what was in the shadows. Absolutely. Yep, 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 yep. yep. And, and, you know, that's the uniqueness about Batman. Those are so bright and he's so nice and cute. And, the, you know, I remember when I was following Lenny Robinson around through the hospital, I kept waiting for the moment when someone was going to think that, you know, the growling Batman has just walked in and it was going to be like, answer to me, you know, you know, tell, you know that kind of Christian Bale-like thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, and somebody was going to be afraid of that, you know, because they'd seen the movie too. They'd seen one of those Christopher Nolan movies at six years old and they weren't ready for it and they were going to be scared to death. And it never happened. It, nope. You know, he saw... I, I filmed him at two different hospitals. We saw hundreds of kids and not one of them were afraid of him. And that, that was remarkable to me. I kept waiting for some kid to run in fear, and they never did. Um, and so there's something about superheroes that, you know, even a guy – I mean, that, that one of the things that people have asked me is, like, you know, that don't understand Batman. I mean, of course, I understood Batman, but I remember, you know, one of my relatives, you know, one of my aunts came up to me and was like, you know, you know you're making, like, a movie about the inspirational power of a guy that dresses up like a demon, and and I was like, yeah, yeah, but 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 the reality is that's not the way anybody sees him. That's not. There's something about the the darkness in him that still makes us feel like he's a superhero and we're still safe with him. And it's it's very it's very unique. And it it actually gives me some hope. I've said to people that even in my darkness, because you know I could never aspire personally to be like a Superman. Boy Scout character, you know, I mean, I know I'm not that. And if we're honest with ourselves, we all kind of know we're not that squeaky clean Captain America guy. But Batman is flawed, and he's not perfect, and he has a dark side, and so do I. And if he can be a hero, then maybe I can too. For being the superhero with no superpowers, which makes it even more believable out of the pantheon of uh, comic book heroes that one of us could grow up to be Bruce Wayne.
less than a billion dollars. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, he was a very rich orphan, but an orphan nonetheless. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing. We all want to believe as well that if we had that kind of money that we would do something that good with it, that we would make such a positive difference. I like to believe that about myself, that I wouldn't just, you know, sit at home eating Cheetos, drinking beer, hanging out with beautiful models, playing video games for the rest of my life. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. There probably would be days. You know? there would, I mean, there would, probably be a, there would probably be a little bit of that, though. Yeah. Let, let's be honest. But, yeah, but, you, know, like, but, yeah you mentioned uh, Lenny Robinson, who, uh, if people don't know, he was the viral sensation. He's the, uh, the millionaire who goes to children's hospitals dressed as Batman, and he got pulled over uh, in his uh, uh, Lamborghini or Ferrari or whatever. Lamborghini. On a, a Lamborghini yeah. on, the, on the way to a gig, uh, and that, the police dash cam caught it. It was a big viral hit. Put a lot of attention on, uh, on to Lenny and what he does, and God bless him for it. Uh, now, when, when you talk to him, what was he doing with his downtime? Does he have downtime now? Yeah, I mean, you know, he still, my sense of his schedule is that, you know, he is essentially retired. I mean, he sold his business. He was very successful and sold his business and was trying to figure out what was next for him. And he'd already started doing some of this Batman costuming, and it just became a big thing for him. So he travels around the country. I mean, he goes, I don't know how many cities he's been in, but he's taken these tours where he's just hopped in his Batmobile and driven you know, from Baltimore all the way down to Miami, you know, and stopped at places all down the way, you know, at hospitals every day. He was at a different hospital. So, you know, it's uh, there are times when I think it's a full-time gig for him, and then there's times where he takes a few weeks off and just kind of catches his breath. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's, he's, he's definitely an interesting guy uh, who has made a very interesting decision about what to do with the freedom he has from uh, his success. Well, I, I found myself, as, as, as inspiring as he is, for a while there watching the movie, I, I was hoping there was going to be a shot of him just kind of sitting in his underwear on a couch eating a cheeseburger just so, <laughs> so that I wouldn't feel like I wasn't living up to something because he does, he is, a, he is one of the best examples in the, in the whole film of, of a man aspiring to be a superhero. Yeah. Well, I, I, well I, I think he is. You know, it's not the point of this film. I mean, he, um, it, it's that you can find everybody can be a hero, right? You yeah. just have to help somebody, you know? And um, I think what actually makes this particular film different is that, you know, these are people that find that inspiration in a particular subject. And, you know, he's a really cool subject. You know, he's Batman and he, you know, he's got all these, you know, wonderful toys. And, you know, he has this core that we all aspire to. But... You know, we can all be heroes, and, um, and that's just something beautiful. And, you know, be, before we get too far into this interview, well, I think we're already, uh, we're already through it here, but I do want to thank you for making this film. Um, I really, really, really want to thank you. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of like it's something that I always knew was there, you know? It's like, why do I spend all this time... Uh, um, watching these movies, you know, a dozen times each. Why do I spend all this time worrying about, you know, Ben Affleck being cast in the next Batman? Why do I worry? <laughs> why do I worry about, you know, um, uh, when I read the Killing Joke, um, you know, where uh, Robin is killed and, and 
you know, reading The Dark Knight Returns and all this stuff. Why do I care? Why do I worry? Why all this stuff? And you, you put all this thought and worry and concern into something. This film adds purpose to that time spent. You know, it, it wasn't wasted. I was learning something. I was moving along. So I just, I really wanted to, you know, take this opportunity to thank you for making this film because you, you play a very large part in validating how I waste my time. Yeah. <laughs> so, so thanks again. Deeply, deeply important to us here at the show. We, we crave validation. But, but in all seriousness, yeah, the uh, Legends of the Night uh, does cast a light on uh, an oft-forgotten uh, dimension to fandom. It goes beyond the economics and the, uh, and the consumerism and then just the blind obsession it affects people in great, as, as a folk story. Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah. And if that's yeah. the mode it takes now, I don't care that he dresses like a demon. I think he looks cool. Oh, he looks cool. Yeah. He's an yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. It has, it has absolutely been an inspirational journey for me to connect with all these people and get to know them and hear their stories and now to personally count everyone that's in this movie my friend. And, um, you know, now the excitement, you know, in the month of February, we're, we're going to go to a theatric, do this theatrical tour and go to all these cities throughout the U.S. And, and the movie's available for pre-sale on our website. And I'm just excited for people to start to see it and really experience it and, and see what, what comes out of it. You know, we've, we've opened up this, this thing through our friends at Tug.com that allow anyone in the U.S. to request a screening of the movie at their local theater. And our, our revenues from that screening, our, the funds that would have come to us, we're going to let that go to the charity of whoever requests the screening. So, um, you know, that's the spirit of this whole film and has been from the start um, to really inspire people to be heroes and make a difference in their communities. And I'm excited to see, you know, how the film will be used and who it will inspire in the days ahead. Oh, that is that is very big of you. Although I, I hope for your sake, the next movie you make is more about just how to make money, so you can keep some of that because you've done a great job so here. So does my wife. So does my wife. She wants that too. You deserve a fair living wage, sir. You really do. Yeah, I'd send you some money, but I don't. I don't get much myself. But I want you to know well, I love the go. movie. Well, go to go to the website and buy a T-shirt. That'll that'll uh, that'll help me out. Uh, quickly, go, quickly, uh, uh, what is that? Um, what is that website? Yeah, it's wearebatman.com. It's wearebatman.com. Okay, nice and easy to remember. And actually, a lot of Batman fans are already aware of it. So good. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad that it gets to get more and more coverage. You can accidentally type that into a into a search engine, and you'll and you'll get to a good place. Yeah. Yeah. And. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And this is uh, this is this is all about the love of Batman. And I was I was I think Marky mentioned uh, at the end of the movie while we were watching it. He said, "Hey, you know what? I think this makes Batman a real hero." And I said, "Well, <laughs> it does, but he's not a real person." That's the difference. And then we ended up talking about you know you know the differences there. You know, I think that this proves that Batman is a real hero. Maybe not, despite being not a real person, but maybe partially because of. He can never truly disappoint us in this way, and he's done nothing but inspire. You know, one of my favorite authors, Neil Gaiman, who wrote Sandman, one of, my, one of the greatest comic book series of all time, has a quote in there that says, all stories are real. Some of them just didn't happen. 
And <laughs> I feel that way. I feel that way about Batman. Batman is a story that is real. Perhaps it never happened, but it doesn't mean it's not real. Well, like that's exactly right. Uh, you know, if if, it, if if Batman's goals are to inspire and to make you a hero, then he's accomplished this goal, right? I yeah. mean, so yeah. his accomplishment is very, very real, regardless of the fact that he is not. And and yeah. so as soon as we stopped, you know, as soon as the film was over and the credits started rolling, that I think that is the first thing that I say. I was like, whoa, Batman's real. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and I, I never really... I, you know, it's again, it's just one of those things, you know, just being a geek and just, you know, having the toys and watching the cartoons and watching the movies and just loving Batman. It just never really occurred to me, you know, that uh, that it could really have this kind of impact. And, you know, it was it was doing it the whole time. It's just no one ever really, you know, thought to point it out to me, you know. Well, yeah, I think, yeah. I think when we all started as kids and we got into Batman, we didn't need anyone to tell us if it was real or not. It was uh, some of my favorite footage, I think, from the movie is uh, just the footage of the kid who puts on Batman costume and he keeps cutting to footage of him just playing, you know, in a playground as Batman. Mm -hmm. And it Mm -hmm. made me think my my mom has a bunch of pictures of me as a kid in my Mm -hmm. Halloween Batman costume, jumping Mm -hmm. all around the backyard, swinging off the tree. And I remember at that time, the line between whether or not I was Batman was blurry yeah. In mm-hmm. yep. a developmental way, but in a good way. It wasn't delusional. Yeah, and I think, I think what happens is, and, and some of the experts in our film kind of say this, because the film is sprinkled with these experts who talk about psychology and you know, philosophy and, and many different to- topics, literature and things like that. You know, what they said to me in the process is, when you were doing that, you were creating a potential story for your own life and for yourself. And you were expanding your possibilities. You were seeing, you were envisioning yourself as a hero, and that was opening up new realms of possibility for you. And whether or not you choose then to walk through those doors is the decision you make as you grow up. But ultimately, those, that, that kind of hero play was opening those doors that then later as an adult you would choose to go through or not. Well, I still wonder if I've got the guts to go through most of those doors, but <laughs> but I, I guess I feel stronger now knowing there are other people out there. You're feeling the solidarity. Um, yeah. I think we live in a geekier, more understanding world than I previously thought. Uh, I think uh, Travis Langley in, in, in your film puts it well. He says, if you're sitting in a classroom and the class is entitled Batman, you can't say anything too nerdy. Yeah, <laughs> you right. leave a certain right. sphere of judgment. That's yeah. exactly right. That's, and that's the world we live in today that, that many of these guys, like Travis, didn't grow up in. You know, you had to keep it secretive that you were still reading comic books right. at age 14. And, you know, n- now we live in a world where it's cool to wear a Batman T-shirt and to admit you know who Frank Miller is and, you know, all that stuff. It's not, it's not the same. Hmm. And in your opinion, just just a gut reaction, good thing or a bad thing? I think good thing. I think it's a good thing. I think we as a society have lost a lot of our heroic stories. 
our, our real-life heroes keep ending up in disgrace, um, and they're not our heroes anymore. And um, many of the stories that, that uh, people had for generations that were where they got their values from, uh, science um, and the perspectives of science discredits them and mocks them. And I think we're living in a world, in a generation of people who don't have a collective story they're living by. And, and so I think in the absence of that, you need replacements. And sometimes our parental figures and our father and mother figures don't live up to those things, and you need places that are acceptable and open where you can look to and see heroic values in action. And so you need that whether you're you know, a, a, a full-on teenager or you know, into adulthood. Uh, you need those places to go. And I think when heroic stories, good quality heroic stories, are acceptable and not mocked, I think that's a good thing for our society. I'd say I'd say that's even a a sound and important argument for them to actually get together and make a decent GI Joe movie. It's <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> I pulled a lot of my moral code as a child out of the GI Joe line, it's and now not it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's they they completely screwed that up. Oh, well, I'm glad man, to know awesome. that you think that because knowing is half the battle. There, oh, thank there you. it is. Thank you. See, that's what. That's what motivated us right there to ask that and question. And the validation comes in and back. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. See, uh, as long as we, we are going to branch out and talk a little bit about other uh, you know, modern folklore, uh, you mentioned Star Wars earlier as not being, you know, quite, having quite the, being quite the strong example as Batman was for this movie, but it, it did occur to me that uh, the concept of Jedi's really resonates with a lot of people. Yes, yes. I'm sitting yes. next to a guy with a with a tattoo on his arm, and actually a life size Darth Vader replica. But go, you know, but, go but, ahead. But do you think uh, now? Now, like you said, it's they're they're much more static characters in that in that canon. Uh, they don't have the uh, the the length of time that Batman has had, but they do have a very popular, very storied world. Uh, do you think they are ha- that the idea of Jedi's is having a positive net effect anywhere in the realm of what uh, of Batman does in the in the greater society? Oh, I think so. I think that is turning people towards a sense of you know, uh, seeing, I mean, everybody, everybody wants to be a Jedi. I mean, I was a little kid and I tried to make things move with my mind, you know, just like the little kid in that Darth Vader commercial, that car commercial or whatever, the yeah, you know, popular yeah. Super Bowl, you know, and, and I mean, we all went through that. We all did that. And, and it's the same kind of thing. It's this envisioning of yourself as being powerful of that. There is this force in the world that I can tap into, that I can be greater, that I can do amazing things and that I can be heroic while I do it, and that I can fight evil and stand up for the little guy and make a positive difference in the world. I, you know, when I was talking about Star Wars before, the difference is, is that there just haven't been near as many mainstream stories of Star Wars as Batman, because that's a much more controlled canon than a comic book series where they've been publishing a comic every month for 75 years. Um, and, you know, they just don't have the kind of diversity and the length of time um, you know, you, it's hard to find an 80 year old person you can interview who, you know, was touched by Star Wars. Um, there are some, but it's a little rarer. Um, but absolutely, in my judgment, that is a story 
that has inspired so many people and so many concepts and so much art, and so much amazing literature and film and art um, in, in a positive way, I think. Yeah, I think that's, there's no denying it's, a, it's become a cultural staple. Uh, but, yeah, I do think it has become a very positive one. You know, Honey Boo Boo, everybody knows that name, but it's kind of hard to get a, a positive life lesson. Out of <laughs> yeah, the well, there aren't, of there aren't many Boo-Boo. there. Yeah, there, yeah, are, there aren't be. many there from that or from most reality TV, which, yeah. unfortunately, reality TV speaks to the basest, um, most uh, rough and rude things within us whereas these stories of heroes often speak to the better, higher, more nobler things in us. And so I think there's a big difference. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. And, and I want to backtrack before anyone thinks I was trying to call Honey Boo Boo a hero. <laughs> no, no, a public figure. <laughs> I don't want that to come back and haunt me years from now. Uh, well, uh, yeah, right, we, uh, we, are, we are supporters of the art, you know, of the arts. You know, like in, and um, all the, uh, the, the entertainment value that Batman represents is a lot of thought and a lot of foreshadowing and, and, and build up and all this stuff. Whereas this kind of reality TV is more reactionary and it's just kind of voyeurism. You know, there's not a lot of, you can't put yourself in Honey Boo Boo's shoes, you know. Um, right, right, right. But, but, but when it, but when it comes to somebody like Batman or Jedi's or, or, or whatever, um, you know, there's a lot of people that really get in there and um, really think about what they're doing. Um, you know, for this. Uh, we're actually going to be talking to um, Dr. Travis Langley a little bit later. And um, I want to kind of, I, I, I would like to present this question to you, and I'll kind of match it up with him later. But um, I, I kind of think about this story about when I was in high school and, and I was at a advanced English course, which I had no business being in, but it just kind of fit in my <laughs> schedule. And so um, I, uh, we were talking about Arthur Miller, um, Scarlet Letter, and um, yeah. Hawthorne. Oh, I'm sorry, Hawthorne. And and so um, we were uh, talking about that, and the um, my English teacher was like talking about all the literary devices, you know, like why is the scarlet letter red and why is it on her chest? And, you know, the, um, the baby she has, his name is Pearl and about how Pearl is like an accident of nature, you know, and she was, on a, yeah. you know, a, you know, and like all these things. And the popular guy in our high school, um, he was a, like the best soccer player, like kind of raised his hand and he was just like, do you really think that Hawthorne, yep. um, like planned all this? Do you think he was there, you know, thinking about, you know, about all these literary devices and stuff, and the English teacher um, just just quickly said, "When you're out there on the soccer field, are you thinking about the mechanics of, you know, yeah. kicking the ball and, and your hips and, and all this stuff, or do you just yeah. do it?" And uh, you yeah. know that really that 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 idea that concept really got to me, and it obviously got to him. Oh yeah, it shut him up. Huh? Yeah, it shut him up you know, quickly. <laughs> but uh, and, and so. Do you think that, uh, you know, uh, Batman was created by Bob Kane, right? And do, do you think he had any idea what this character was establishing back then? Or do you think it was just natural? Uh, you know, like, uh, yeah. what do you think the secret I, was there? No, I don't think, I think Batman is an interesting combination of a spark of genius 
of creative genius by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, who, who created him together, but, but also he, he became part of a, of a corporate machine that continued to introduce fresh storytellers and bright storytellers who elevated the character beyond what he was originally able to be. I mean, I definitely think there was a, a archetypal spark of creativity that initiated this character that built an origin story that was very connectable and universal and that was built on classic mythical themes and imagery. I definitely think that, and I don't think they did it on purpose. I, I absolutely think they, they had no vision beyond, my sense is, they had no vision beyond how do we pay the bills and make something that people will read and that we can get paid for this month. Um, but in the process of doing that, they sparked into something that had the potential within it to be expanded on and to be built and to grow. And, you know, once it started to become successful, then there was an invested corporate interest in keeping it successful. And by bringing in fresh writers and fresh idea makers, they were able to keep reinventing it and keep doing it. And, but, but I think it was the archetypal core of the story and the heroic quality of it that was what it allowed it to even survive through, through the 50s when those comics were absolutely ridiculous and terrible. Um, and, but, but it was so good at its core that then it was able to be brought back and resurrected, whereas many characters would have just died a horrible burning death and be gone forever. And there's plenty of examples of those who have. Yeah. Yeah. And tellingly, we're not going to bring any of them up. No, I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't. Batman is the survivor. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's been passed on to so many very talented, very creative storytellers that uh, every new addition and every slight change in, in the world, every change that he goes through, makes him a stronger, fully fleshed out character. He hasn't become, you know, uh, contradictory. That's right. right. That's right. I agree. All right. Well, before we just go ahead and uh, take all the uh, subject material that you probably want to use on the uh, screen tour, why don't you tell us about the tour that you're uh, going on next month? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, hitting many, many cities on the East Coast and West Coast in the month of February. I'm going to be, uh, let's see here, I'll actually pull up the list so that I can tell you exactly where I'm going to be when. Um, I'm going to be, we're starting on February 1st, and I'm going to be in uh, the Atlanta area in, in Athens, uh, Georgia, on uh, February the, Saturday, February the 1st, and then on Monday, February the 3rd, I'm in Boston, and uh, then the 5th, we're in Paramus, New Jersey, the 6th in New York City, and the 7th in Baltimore, and uh, then back to the Monday, February 17th, we're in San Diego, then two nights in L.A. on the 17th, or on the 18th and 19th, San Francisco on the 20th, and we're ending in Petaluma, uh, home of the Petaluma Batman on Friday the 21st. <laughs> oh, all right. And, uh, and, and then we've got upcoming screenings in the month of uh, March in, uh, in Charlotte, Detroit, Dallas, Fort Worth, Indianapolis, Chicago, um, cities all over. I'm not going to be able to be at all the ones in March, but... Uh, but I will be at a few of them, and they're marked on the website. But more and more screenings are coming up all the time. We're going to be adding Tampa and Orlando next week um, in the month of uh, March. So, you know, we're popping up, and then in South Florida and Miami, it's just it's starting to kind of pop up everywhere. And all of these screenings, 
the the proceeds of them are going to go to a local charity. So, um, you know, it's really an exciting time for me to share this film and to do it in a way that uh, creates a positive impact on these communities and allows everyone in the audience to kind of be, be Bruce Wayne for the evening. Well, you are taking this thing worldwide the hard way. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, was joking earlier about you know yeah. making the money off it, but uh, you you really are you really are schlepping and, and doing the Lord's work here. I hope it does you know pay off for you in as many ways as possible, and that you don't have to eat macaroni for the rest of your life. Uh, <laughs> Um, for those of you listeners out there that um, that have not seen, we actually have a couple of the, of the different trailers posted on the website at mattypradio.com, um, and we uh, our our goal is not to drive um, too much traffic to our site. Let's kick some over to wearebatman.com. Did I did I get that right? Wearebatman.com. You did. That's okay. it. So wearebatman.com. You get all the information. You know where can you see this film? Uh, who's hosting it? Hey, if you want to host your own, that can be done too. So wearebatman.com. Um, maybe even you know, uh, Brett here will give you guys a call. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We we can't make that promise, yeah. but he can. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Brett. I really, like I said, I like that movie. That is, uh, you know, if you're if you're looking for a movie that tells you the history of Batman. This isn't necessarily Not the necessarily. one. There's plenty of history in but there. It, but it is what it, it, this movie does tell you what he means. That's the difference. Yeah. Yep. And as soon yeah. as it was over, I got it in my head. I, I wanted to watch some Batman. Yeah, so, so like, let's go watch some Batman. Now, now I want to get this guy in action again, <laughs> despite the fact I've seen every Batman made four or five times. Exactly. So, so it, is, it is enlightening, lifting. Uh, it touches inspirational mm-hmm. and it's under 90 minutes so you really have no excuse <laughs> to not catch this uh we we are located here in san diego and i am working on uh getting the night off so i can see it on the uh on the 17th again so hopefully i'll be seeing you in a few weeks brett hey uh, i look forward to it i look forward to it and send any friends our way we'll we'll take them too thank you so much oh i absolutely believe it or not just just in the in the in the matter of uh, a couple of days since I saw the movie, I've already talked to a couple of friends of mine who are big Batman fans who already heard about this movie being in existence. I told them ah. when to go catch it, so I know I've already sent a, put a couple of butts in those seats. Even I love if I it. can't, I love it. Once word gets out, people are excited by this kind of thing. You know, like you say, real Batman fans who who understand yep. the hero behind the cowl and not just the Batmobile. So yep. Uh, yep. on that note. Brett, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, big fan. You're changing the world in better ways, just like Batman. Marky, you got anything you want to add? Just thanks again, man. Keep mm-hmm. it up. Uh, all right. Thanks, guys, for having me. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Not at all. You're a great guy, and I look forward to more documentaries on various subjects, and I hope you get paid for them. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Uh, that man, obviously, very passionate. Yes, and I'm thinking very broke. Yes, he would definitely have to be, especially because I believe he's about to go on tour and give all the money to charity. Yeah, and if you guys go, if you guys, I mean, well, there are no ifs here. You you need to see this film. They will be selling the DVDs or the Blu-rays or whatever it is. Um, 
But they're right now hosting screenings across the country. If you go on We Are wearebatman.com. What's that address? wearebatman.com. You Damn can, right. You can, there's a link up there. You can easily find it. Um, and you can find out where the screening is, and it's either in your town or near your town. But what if it's not in your town? Oh, I guess you're just shit out of luck. No, you're not. You're not? No, because you can host your own screening at a theater by you if you click on the link that you're going to see in front of you if you're on wearebatman.com. My God, this Brett Colt thought of everything <laughs> to know. lose money. He's Genius. Di- he's diabolical. He really is. <laughs> so you get to you um, again, uh, wearebatman.com. You can go on there. You can yep. go Either to a screening. find out the screening you can go to, and if you can't get to one of them, you can set your own up. Uh, luckily, here in San Diego, we have already got one set up for February 17th. Mm-hmm. And we will be there. If you are in the San Diego area, please, please consider joining us at the Palms 24 Promenade. We're actually bringing the troops. 7.30 p.m. Hopefully, hopefully. No, we are I think gonna we're going to bring the troops. 501st Legion through mm-hmm. Star Wars, if you're familiar with that. They're but anyway, that's, that's the San Diego plan. You've got to get on the website and make your own local plan. Uh, because uh, Brett Culp will come out, introduce it. You tell him what charity you want the money to go to. He makes sure it gets there. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, this, this Brett Culp has obviously done his Batman heroics <laughs> by <laughs> making this movie. Yes, he is. He's doing the Batman's work. So exactly, yeah. exactly. You know I love that phrase, and I think it's absolutely, he's doing the Bat's work. <laughs> doing the Bat's work. <laughs> and I think, uh, and, and that's a good way... Uh, to explore what Batman means to him. Yeah. Because this is the kind of movie that, like I said, it it's just an exploration of what folk stories do for society. Right. But he he did a very niche version and he by by using the Batman as as the example, he really puts a lot of power behind it. And also, in my humble opinion, validates what we say on the show all the yeah, time. Absolutely. It's all right to carry your Saturday morning cartoons around with you the rest of your life. You big giant I'm adult actually baby. I'm actually counting on it. And you know, it, I am not alone. I was recently in a um I think it's is it natural history museums if you're looking at pyramids? No, I think they're just called orgies. Doesn't matter where you <laughs> I don't think it's where they're held. Uh no, it's a I was at a like a museum of man kind of thing, right? It's a okay. It's a museum, anyway. Museum. Oh, wow. And some of the relics that they actually dug out were like literally like little tiny figurines, right? Things are like you know, five hundred years old, a thousand years old, you know. And they're or more or more, right? Two thousand years old. I I forget which which ones I was looking at. But, you know, these are like, they, they could have been Roman gods or Egyptian gods or whatever. It doesn't matter. I remember when I, when I saw those, I remember thinking to myself, you know, those are the G.I. Joes. Those are the Star Wars figures. Those are the Supermen. Those are the Batman. Yep. Those, you know, those were the toys of the kids at the time. And they took out of those, those themes and those lessons of life, and it's just been it's been in us this whole time, mm-hmm. you know. So there's no need to get embarrassed about this, right? There's, there, <laughs> this is this is a validation of of what we waste our time on, 
Uh, it means something to us. It does. It does. And, in fact, I think the, the more we make this argument, the more embarrassed we sound. <laughs> I agree. So All right. we should just say, well, there'd be no point to doing this show if we were just going to say, screw it, we're going to be geeks. No, there's something good going on here, and I'll tell you, I even have, I even have, believe it or not, a good example. Who's this? Uh, well, uh, yeah, why don't we just talk to her? Her name is Jill Pantosi. I know her. She is actually uh, pretty well known in circles such as the ones we run in. Uh-huh. Uh, you can find her as a managing editor at themarysue.com, a geek culture guide for girls, but you can read it too, guys. It's fine. Um, she is featured in the film, as, of course, you will see when, when you all go out and catch it. And uh, I won't ruin the story because we get into it in just a minute with her, but she is a normal person who probably doesn't even own a Batman costume, but she uses Batman every day of her life as as a hero, as that, you know, either G.I. Joe figure or ancient stone fertility god dug up <laughs> 500 it. years ago or whatever. <laughs> Which means Mark mentioned. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But but either way, she is just she is the best example of just a normal person who can use Batman and not be a geek. Luckily for us, she is a geek and she's a girl. But I'm going to stop drooling and uh, let's just talk to her. What do you say? That's, yeah, Jill. She's adorable. All let's right, where, where's Jill? Bring, Jill, bring her out. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Joining us as well is Jill Pantazi. Or is that Pantosi? I'm sorry, Jill. Pantosi. No, that's fine. <laughs> Pantosi. Good. I like that more. I'm Grim Shea. Uh, joining me, as always, is my uh, co-host and producer, Marky. Say hi, Marky. Hello. Uh, and uh, we are talking to Miss Pantosi today. Uh, well, I, I think it's under the guise of the new film, Legends of the Night, uh Batman documentary about uh, kind of his spot in in modern folklore and the actual practical applications in society. But what we really want to start talking about, Jill, if you don't mind, uh, when we were getting ready for this interview, my uh, producer, Mark E. here, uh, pointed me towards your site, themarysue.com, and mm-hmm. I kid you not, the first words out of his mouth was, this is the site I want. Read this. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> well, that's so, cool. Thanks. Oh, not at all. It looks... it. That seems like such, for those of you who don't know, the MarySue.com, I believe, uh, uh, titled The Girls Geek Culture Guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome uh, geek culture site, of course, written with a slight slant towards the feminine, if you will, but, you know, made for a woman or not, I like it. I've been reading it for days now since he introduced me, and I recommend it to all of you listening here in the uh, Matty P universe. Uh, how did you get this job? This seems so cool. <laughs> it is very cool, yeah. Um, well, I let's see. We have to go back a little bit. I went to uh, college for journalism, um, intending to get into TV, uh, like news anchoring and that sort of thing, um, and took a slight turn after college and got a job as a DJ on the radio, actually, and did that for about five years, and then said, you know, I miss my my writing, you know, that I used to do, so I started up my own blog, which is at thenerdybird.com, uh, and just, you know, for fun, kind of talking about the stuff that I like, which is comics and video games and all sorts of pop culture goodness. And from there, I started reaching out to a few other sites and um, started getting freelancing uh, writing opportunities and eventually quit my radio job, 
started doing the freelancing full-time. And then I eventually said, you know, I need to do this, like, legit full-time so I can get some benefits. (laughs) So uh, I started sort of talking about that on Twitter. And uh, at that point two years ago, um, someone from the Mary Sue reached out and said, how about a paid internship? And I said, okay, maybe I can try that out. And turns out the paid internship was more of a trial run for a third staff member that they were looking for. And uh, that's how it goes. Oh, that sounds... That sounds really easy. So yeah. I, I think anyone can do that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. For, well, first you just uh, fall into a radio DJ job. Right. And then as I understand it, you just do what you want to do. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> you know, um, I am very – I'm always impressed with sites that, um, that focus on this geek culture, um, one that I love to be a part of. And, and uh, so my kudos to you and for taking such a big piece of this. And for uh, running with it, but hey, let's talk about this about this role that 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 you have and the role that you play in this film. Um, can you uh, tell us uh, yeah. yourself, basically? Yeah, basically as, yourself. As I, right, yeah, I we, we actually had a chance to see it. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're very convincing, but yeah, the um, uh, we have we have on the show already talked about what the film is, but just as a refresher for people okay. just joining us, it is the uh, the story of everyday people. Who used the legend of Batman? You know the whole the whole canon over the over the last you know sixty years or whatever seventy five seventy five to you know in their own lives to be heroes in their own way uh, and yours is uh, one of the more touching and more personal of the stories provided. I don't know if you want to share all the details because I think you put it very well in the film. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. There's a lot of documentaries out there about either superheroes in general or Batman. Um, and what I really liked about this one and how, you know, Brett Culp described it to me, um, you know, in his pitch to me was that it was more about, you know, what do these characters actually mean to us? Because for some people it's just, oh yeah, that's great, you know. Batman's cool, but for other people, there's, you know, a deeper connection to these characters that we've grown up with. Um, and Batman, for me, has always been uh, someone to look towards as someone who doesn't give up. Um, and that was something that resonated with me because I have muscular dystrophy. Um, I use a motorized scooter to get around uh, most of the day, and that's something that I've dealt with my entire life. And, you know, it's a struggle, um, but it's the kind of thing that if you, if you think about it too long and you um, think about only the bad things, you know, you're, you're going to get lost in yourself. And, you know, Batman as a character is just, you know, he's the epitome of, of terrible things happening to someone and then taking it and turning it into something positive. And specifically in my case, I never would have, been on this career path if it wasn't for me having muscular dystrophy because I had been involved with the Jerry Lewis Labor Day Telethon since I was about seven years old because of the muscular dystrophy association and that got me interested in television and learning all the behind the scenes, you know, things and spreading the news and uh, yeah, so if it wasn't for that, I, I wouldn't be where I am today. Well, it sounds like you know, Batman... Uh, as, as an example, a very strong example, and uh, and we talked to Brett about this, but it is such a strong idea, 
you know, he's he's just kind of the, uh, you know, the package that it comes in. But it is the idea of overcoming adversity. And I think you even mentioned in the film that, you know, uh, at one point you finally focused on Batman because he is the superhero without superpowers. Right. You know, above all else, beyond, you know, Green Lantern, Superman, all the other all the other big names everybody knows and wants to see a movie about, Batman is, he starts as something that we can all become. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the movie does a great job of it. And uh, your, uh, your profile in it was, I think, one of the more touching ones to, you know, to get that across. You know, at no point do you ever put on a Batman mask or stand on a gargoyle. <laughs> That's right. Right. <laughs> But but well, you were able to you know take it into your life every single day as an idea, and I think that's that's exactly what the what the movie Legends of the Night is trying to get through, and you did it very well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I that that's what I was hoping for. You know, I mean, some people look at some people like myself, you know, adults um, who you know talk about comic books and that sort of thing for a living, and kind of look down upon us because they think it's you know children's mm-hmm. stories or what have you. Um, and they, they don't look past that, that initial, oh, comics for kids kind of thing and get to, no, these are stories that are going down in history, you know, and they do that for a reason because they mean something to people. Yeah, here, here on the show, actually, we talk, one of our main themes that we talk about is that it's all right that, when you watch kids as a, well, you know, growing up, cartoons on Saturdays, after school, reading comic books, it's all right to still be kind of enamored by that phenomenon as we're adults now, because it does Mm -hmm. mean more than just a way to pass time. You know, we're trying to do more than be Saturday morning cartoon apologists and say, no, it's actually, it's pretty necessary. Right. So serious themes and ideas like this that are put out there, it just helps us in our argument, makes us look like you know, less like giant kids. So we think. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, speaking of that, um, Batman. Let's. I just want to talk to you as, as a fan now. Sure. Now it's. Uh, it, everyone knows the character has taken a much darker turn in the Nolan movies. You know, it's been getting darker and darker. Uh, you know, as time goes on, he's always been a dark hero, but. Do you are you a fan of where they took it, or do you think they finally just made it too dark? Like it's hard to get the light out of Batman in these movies. I think some people have complained about. Do you agree? Um, I I do like where they took it, but I still would have preferred maybe a little more light in in the films. You know, um, obviously it doesn't quite mesh, I guess, with what Christopher Nolan was trying to do. Um, but yeah, I think there, there's always room for that in any Batman story, even if it is, you know, dealing with the most evil, you know, villain or whatever. Um, but no, I, I, I liked where it went, and I liked that it was a complete tale, you know, that no one ever has to, you know, touch on it again. This is three movies, told a complete story, and, you know, now someone else can try. Yeah, yeah. The next reboot, hopefully, is is a little brighter. I I like these movies, but it is emotionally draining. I think it's it's hard to walk away as inspired from these movies as it is just reading. You know, one of, you know, even like Frank Miller's or uh, or the the darker comics. 
at least you still walk out of there more inspired, I think. But nonetheless, great movies. I, I recommend them. And when my kids are in their 20s, I'll let them watch them. <laughs> <laughs> well, getting back to the movie a little, do you want to ask how Brett Culp uh, found you? Uh, you? You mentioned that he pitched the uh, the movie to you. Was he, you know, like trolling through the Internet, looking for people talking about Batman? Or, you know, how did you end up getting involved in this? You know, I can't remember. <laughs> I know he told me when he, when he initially uh, talked to me. It must have been either just a random Internet search or if he was speaking to other people and they said, you know, I know someone you should speak with, but, you know, it's still. It might have been actually um, Travis Langley um, who did that if I recall. Um, but yeah, it, it was sort of, it, it's interesting because in the last few years I've been approached by different people for different things like this, either documentaries or reality shows or, you know, that sort of thing. And it's, for me anyway, being in business that I'm in, it's easy for me to get a sense of, number one, the kind of person that I'm talking to, and two, what kind of project is actually going to turn out to be um, Whereas I may have passed on a few others, I knew immediately talking to Brett that this was going to be an amazing project and that I needed to be a part of it. Well, I, for one, am glad that you did. And uh, it also, it, it just kind of sounds like if you believe in Batman enough, things just keep falling into your lap, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, let's, I have let's a, think of it that way. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jill, this is, uh, this is Marky again. Um, I have a quick question for you. Where do you think that this particular documentary or film is going to fit in, you know, with the whole, you know, Batman lore? Do you think it's going to take it into places um, that were unknown, or do you think it's kind of pointing something out that's very obvious to many of us? Um, I think to probably longtime fans of the character, it's obvious, because I think at one point or another, anyone who is a Batman fan, whether it was when you were a young kid or, you know, into adulthood, um, has, has thought about these scenes at least one point or another. Um, but I've already, you know, had people who have seen the film, um, you know, comment to me and just say they had no idea that this character could actually be so much more than just something on a page, you know, um, so I think it is going to, you know, well, I hope that it gets spread very far and wide, um, you know, with the screenings they're going to do. I just want more and more people to see it. Um, and I think it will help, you know, in, in some way to legitimize um, mm-hmm. this kind of fandom, you know. Yeah, I, I, I am. I'm, I basically live my life just saying, see, Mom, I, I did not waste all my time, you know. And so... <laughs> I think that's kind of what this whole thing does is that it's, you know, all the, all the movies, all the TV, all the comics, um, it was really shaping us. Um, you know, I don't think we all knew it at the time, but it, you know, these are, uh, it's a parable. It's a lesson in, in, in life. You know, you have to get up, you have to try, you have to keep going. Um, you, you were definitely the example of that in this, in this particular film, but you know, uh, Batman himself holds that place for us too. And, um, so, that was a great job on that film, and, um, you know, we look forward to it, uh, and we hope that it's supported um, <laughs> with maybe a DVD release. Like, they should package this in with the next Batman movie or something, you know, have it be like part of the you know, Blu-ray extra or something so that 
That would uh, be you can cool. Just kind of yeah. Sneak it in there, you know. Yeah, why not? I yeah. we just go around to like you know stores and just kind of drop copies in there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sure, why not, you know? Well, someone needs to add a little bit of light to those movies, so that would be a good way to do it. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Hmm? All right, well, uh, before we let you go, uh, we are going to be talking to Travis Langley pretty soon ourselves. And one thing we like to do when we talk to uh, multiple guests who uh, know and or work together, do you have a question that we should ask him? <laughs> um. I think you should ask him about the um, mishap that happened at San Diego Comic-Con a few years ago while we were on a panel together with a certain Catwoman actress. <laughs> oh, and I'll leave you that. <laughs> oh, I already like where this is going. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very interested. Okay. And personally, I'm hoping it's Sean Young. But, uh... <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jill. Um, everybody, you can get plenty of Jill over at themarysue.com, or uh, you can also find her at nerdybird.com, her own blog role, uh, where I understand she has boobs and reads comics. That really does <laughs> sure do. say it all. Those are three of my favorite things. <laughs> all right. Thanks for joining us again, Jill. Uh, good luck thank to you, you so out much. there. Everybody catch her in Legends of the Night. Uh, it's, it's a humanizing film. If you like Batman, it is for you. If you like storytelling, if you are an armchair psychologist, this film is for you, and it leaves you feeling just as inspired as real Batman movies ought to. Thank you, Jill. Thanks. Thanks, Jill. Thank you so much, guys. That was great. And I think if Brett Culp was passionate... Jill Pantosi is easily inspiring. Yeah, I think so. Uh, especially if you uh, watch the film um, and you kind of get a glimpse into her life and, you know, nothing nothing stops her, right? No. The, no, I mean, obviously not. No. I, I do not have a job in Midtown Manhattan. <laughs> and she drives herself and she's running. And, that I have to drive to every day. And if I did, I would, might quit that job. But she doesn't, and it's little things like that. And uh, I, I honestly didn't get the impression, either in the movie or when we talked to her, she was blowing smoke up her ass about this. I got. I think yeah. she really does appreciate Batman on that level, and the ideal that was instilled in her by being a Batman fan as a kid gives her the strength to, and I only mean this on the one level, to walk through life. Yeah. Or maybe I meant it on more. Damn it. I don't know. Well, I, I, Batman's, he, it's multi-layers, right? I mean, that's, 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 the, that's the gist of it. You can oh, never really get there. And, and uh, she is one of a number of examples in the film. But I, I really liked hers. I think it was such a humanizing element. Yeah. Uh, because there, are, there actually are characters, well, not characters, people in, in this documentary, Legends of the Night, who do wear a Batman costume who do right. you know, drive a Batmobile. Um, and it is in that way they express it, but she does none of that. She, just an everyday person, getting up and using Batman as, you know, one of her, uh, you know, moral tent poles, which is a lesson that any one of us can, we don't, you know, we don't need muscular dystrophy like she has in order to appreciate that. 
and her coming out to say that as I think what makes it more likely that we that we can appreciate it and that's what makes it humanizing and I really respect you know exactly her level of civilian commitment to Batman yeah and you know we actually touched on this earlier um, you know Batman's ultimate goal of preventing horrible things from happening to anybody ever, <laughs> you know, it's an unattainable goal, right? And he was so scarred as a child and, and from those things. Um, it's not an attainable goal, you know, but he keeps pressing on. He keeps going. He keeps going. Mm-hmm. You know, Jill, you know, she was born with this and she will always have it, but it doesn't stop her, you know. It does not stop her from doing what she needs to do. And we find a lot of inspiration behind that. Um, you know, I think it also helps a little bit. And I'm just going to be honest here that, you know, we have a thing for redheads. And, you mm-hmm. know, she's a, you know, she's a good looking gal. And so, oh, you know, oh, that's yeah. going to help. Oh, yeah. She had a little Maria Thayer going there. <laughs> a little Maria Thayer. Not going to lie. <laughs> good for her. So, yeah. Uh, so uh, her, her story was uh, one of the featured stories in this film. And. Uh, you guys are going to have to check this out. Remember, it's it's coming to a theater near you. Um, Can't remember where you are, when, it or what matter. a theater is. Check wearebatman.com. It we are Batman. might answer all those questions. Yeah, and if it's not playing in a theater by you, make it happen, guys. Take the steps. Be Batman yourselves. Get this film to your town. Get it by you. Um, it's going to be well worth the effort. And, uh, yeah, well, I don't know. Well, uh, it's 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 more than just people like Jill, though, in yeah. the story. It does. It is. It's a real, honest to god documentary. They even go uh, so far as to get a few expert opinions. Yeah, like educated people who maybe even teach classes, doctors even. What do you mean by by that? Who who's that? Well, our next guest is a PhD. That's Doctor Everybody, and he teaches a course. It's titled, I'm not kidding you, it's titled Batman. That's it. It's not the, the psychology of Batman, the emotions of Batman, the, criminal, the criminology of Batman. No, it's just called Batman. This is a serious topic. Uh, it's got serious implications or ramifications. What kind of a teacher is he? PhD. That psychology. Is, that, that is a good kind. In, in psychology, yeah. That's, yeah, and, and so um, we actually had a chance to talk to him a little bit. Um, his name is? Uh, Dr. Travis Langley, Travis Ph.D., as you were really saying, uh, uh, philosophical doctorate. I, I, I forget what it actually stands for, but, yes, he's a, uh, a psychology professor at Henderson State University in Arkansas. And, and a big geek. He's at Comic-Con all the time. He's got a great... Uh, Twitter feed. I'll have to get that to you before we come back in the next one. But um, I'm at, I've, I have friended him, and he's always blowing up some really, really smart things on there. Um, but yeah, he's he's he is great to talk to. He's he's one of us. That's it's so validating that he can. That's what throw is. around that PhD and still say no. There's still there's still a lot of good, a lot of relevance in these in these uh, comic book characters. Yeah, and. Uh, Ah, it's a, it does add a certain extra level of believability and just mm-hmm. makes me feel better about myself when you get someone with that kind of education to sort of back up your point. Absolutely. Um, so I, I, I hope we remember to ask him the right questions and get that validation. 
it's been a week since we talked to him, so let's just let's just hope it worked out. All right, all right. I say let's let's revisit. Let's find out what it is we said. All right, everybody. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, I, as always, am Grim Shea, joined by Marquis. Say hi, Marquis. And joining us today for Saturday Morning Serial is Dr. Travis Langley, Ph.D., author of Batman and Psychology, A Dark and Stormy Night, uh, psychology professor at Henderson State University, a superheroist, and also featured in the new documentary we've been talking about all day, Legends of the Nights. How are you, Dr. Langley? I am doing really well. It's, it's a heck of a year for Bat fans. We've got Batman's 75th anniversary, his co-creator Bill Finger's 100th birthday, uh, the 25th anniversary of the Tim Burton Batman movie. It's just just Batman left and right. Oh, I hadn't I didn't even thought about the uh, the, the Burton anniversary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, right. In uh, June, it'll be the 25th anniversary, and I'm part of helping people ar- ar- arrange something like that for one of the major conventions this summer, but I can't say more specifically. But, yeah, it's, it's just a, 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 an interesting time for all these things to come together, and it's it, good timing. I mean, this is why Brett was doing it now. He was doing this project, Legends of the Night, when he felt inspired to do it, but it is good timing for things like that. We've it had really is. Seven, yeah, we've had 75 years of Batman inspiring us. There are reasons he is one of the most famous characters of any kind on the planet. You know, he appeals to people on such a, a, a primal level in, in many different ways. You know, he and Superman, the, the the dark and the light, different sides of the superhero coin that people tapped into almost 80 years ago. You're right. I, I, I'm glad you put it like that, the dark and the, the two sides of the same coin, because they do, even among popular superheroes, with you know, the Avengers, Justice League, whatever other movies are trying to push out now, for so many decades, it's been clearly Batman and Superman on the very top of the pile. Yeah, the only characters, the only superheroes who stayed in continuous publication since the World War II have been Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. You know, all the others have had spells of coming and going. Those three have endured, you know, for, for a variety of different reasons. And you ask, you know, who's, who's the most famous? Well, historically, that's been Superman. That might be shifting lately with Batman having so many movies and merchandise. But, you know, who's the favorite? Bat- Batman tends to be the favorite of those. Batman is the one who is the superhero with no superpowers. He's the guy who decided to turn himself into this fantastic thing. And while all his wonderful toys really help with that, it helps it feel realistic. You could plant the, the sense with this character is you could plant him in the middle of the nowhere with no gadgets, no costume, and he's still going to be Batman. Uh, that's true. Well, that that I think that was kind of an idea that wasn't pushed into the popular consciousness. I don't think uh, until the the Nolan Batman yeah. came out, where they made him ninja trained and all that. Whereas I remember growing up, um, just because of when I was born, the Batman TV series lent me a lot of my original ideas about Batman, and it was about having not a magic belt, but uh, you know the Boy Scout being prepared <laughs> idea to have bat shark repellent spray on you at any given hey, time. Hey, he needed it, obviously. It, it, and it did come in, and God knows what else he had on that belt. That yeah, you know, God bless him, he never actually had to pull out. Yeah, that TV show, it was amazing in that 
for little kids, we didn't know it was a joke. We saw the heroic daring do, and it was exciting to us to see what was going on. Adults either saw that it was a joke, or if they didn't get the if, they, if adults didn't get the joke, they thought it was terrible, probably. Uh, but it, it worked as intended for those who liked the camp sense of humor. They they got that, and it lasted as it did. For those of us who who were too young to know it was a joke, it was exciting to us. It was our introduction to Batman. The show is like that character works in many different ways. My kids got introduced to the Michael Keaton Batman, and again, you're still not getting as much of a sense of the man as like, of the of the Burton Schumacher movies. The most you have a sense of that he's just always Batman is in the movie Batman Forever, which has its problems, of course. But mm-hmm. Schumacher mm-hmm. did get that. He's Batman no matter what. He could be wearing a tuxedo at the circus, and he's still going to go out there and fight the thugs. Uh, but, yeah, it is the Nolan movies. That, what, that's why Batman Begins is my favorite. A lot of people expect me to say The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight is a better constructed movie uh, and, and, and better constructed story. Many, many wonderful things about that movie. My favorite is Batman Begins because that's the one that finally shows here is a man. Here is a human being. We can all be inspired by this guy. You know, we can have a sense that people are able to be better and do better. And the whole Nolan movie trilogy is about inspiring people. Sometimes you're inspiring things you don't intend to. Like when he's you know trying to inspire fear in the criminals, and he's also inspiring you know some reactions from the police. Uh, The entire trilogy is about inspiration, especially Batman Begins. You're inspiring fear, and you're inspiring hope. And there's the challenge, can you inspire both? And at the end of The Dark Knight, he has decided, I I need to, you know, just inspire the fear in my legend. So Harvey can continue to inspire hope. He's underestimated his own ability to inspire hope. Uh, But that is, it is both there. It is about inspiring fear and hope, and even using fear against those who would make other people fearful. You know, Batman's the part of us that wants to frighten life's bullies away. We don't want to just stop the bullies. There's part of us that wants to make them get hurt too. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's uh, and and I think Nolan makes it uh, very obvious, and he does a good job of it. That Batman, the Dark Knight, really does just have to stay dark. There's no you know, he's not going to be able to just wash the blood off, take off the cowl, and just be Bruce Wayne and enjoy life as a millionaire. And it yeah, goes so far a- as to say that he needs to recruit someone else to inspire the hope. He is so far down in the proverbial Batcave, he's not going to see the light again himself. Not by itself the most inspiring or you know, uh, uplifting character element, but it does set up a world where it's done for a reason, where sacrifice has payoff. And you do see with, with people in real life, I don't like to harp too much on real people's tragedies because it's not exactly fair to them, but you see uh, individuals like you know, John Walsh or Candace Leitner. Walsh, who a lot of people know from America's Most Wanted, his son Adam was, was brutally murdered. You know, and there's this, this dark aspect of history that Walsh can't just be light about ever, but he, he uses the, the things from that to in his own way, fight crime, to advocate for missing children and to pursue capturing criminals and fighting predators. Candace Leitner, whose daughter got killed by a drunk driver, and, and Leitner was appalled at the light sentence that he got. And she swore a vow to avenge her daughter, uh, 
by campaigning against drunk driving. So she founded MAD, Mother, originally Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, later as Mothers Against Drunk Driving. As, as each of these individuals in real life are using dark things that happened and that they, something they can't ever be light about, but they're using it to help keep other people from having to live in that darkness, to help keep other people from going the things, through the things they went through. And that's the number one motivation with the Batman character, is to keep others from going through the things that he and his family went through. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's about co-opting uh, uh, loss and turning it into sacrifice. And it's also about just something that you could... Sorry about that. It's also just about something that you just cannot um, ever achieve. Uh, right? I mean, this is the, they're all after some kind of ideal here that they're just never really going to get to. What do you mean? Like and, right. I mean, you know, uh, the actual, you know, if you wanted to break down Batman, he's never going to achieve what he wants to, he, but he has right. to keep trying. And, and, and that is what makes him the hero, right? He, he, he consistently gets up. He consistently tries. He consistently moves on and moves forward. Uh, and there's, I guess that's what the definition of valor is. Uh, right? No? Yeah, it's like when, he, when he's a child, in the comic books, he wears this vow to avenge his parents by waging war on all criminals. And at age eight, that makes sense that you can wage war on all criminals. As an adult, you know he can't. That's one of the nice things I like about the Nolan movies, is that he does have a vision of the fact that he can't stop them all himself. He's wanting to inspire others to stand up. And that is, that is particularly powerful with those films. You don't see that in the previous ones the way. In the previous films, he's out to fight some bad guys. He's trying to fight bad guys. He even kind of resists inspiring others to take these things up. You know, he admonishes Catwoman for trying to take on uh, gangsters. He tells the guy who wants to be Robin, go away. And it, in the current movie, he's inspiring other people. He's saying, wear a mask. He's telling people they should wear the mask. They should follow the symbols. And so he's got a sense of the bigger picture, the fact that he can't do it himself. And, and you know, life itself is, is an endless struggle, and it's to see what he can help inspire people to do. Well, they, they, I think in the, in the middle film, they played with that a lot, though, in that you know, uh, the Joker started killing off people, well, vigilantes dressed like Batman. You know, yeah, the try Joker's trying to inspire, turn that trying on to inspire head, fear say, in no. them. He's yeah. trying to make them afraid to do these things. It's yeah, the Scarecrow's trying to make people afraid in the first one. He's using scare directly. The Joker is a terrorist himself, using in a different, different kind from what you think of with the real-world terrorist, but he is trying to inspire terror to make people afraid when he's trying to make the potential vigilantes afraid. He's, he's doing the opposite of what Batman's doing. When he's, try, he's trying to inspire people to bring out the worst in them. The Joker is confident that he can get two boats full of people to blow each other up. Batman, for all people see him as a cynical character, he's the one who has faith in human humanity that there are enough people who, who deserve to go on that you know, he's confident two boats full of people will not blow each other up. It's, uh, it, 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 well, you know, I'm glad we had this talk because uh, in the back of my mind, I think since I, I'm a big fan of all the Nolan films, I think it's a great trilogy, stands on its own, uh, plays with the characters in such a great way. But in the back of my mind, I've always been afraid that it just went a little too dark. 
that the core hero of Batman has not been made good enough in there. You know, I don't want to see the Clark Kent Boy Scout <laughs> or anything, but but at the same time, it's it's sometimes hard to walk away really inspired by these movies. It's more that's like, the, wow, he made it out by the skin of his teeth kind of feeling. Yeah, that's one of the advantages Batman the Animated Series has. It can explore a lot of different stories. Some can be darker than others. As opposed to the movies, you have one movie every three or four years, and it has to do this big epic thing, and it has to miss out on so much of the rest of that character's career. Uh, Batman the Animated Series, of course, it being a cartoon, was dealing with a different audience, although it got darker as it went along. And it, has, it had some stories that were particularly dark. But it got to have that variety of things that we don't get to see enough of. I would love to see a serious live-action Batman series. And we're not exactly getting it with this upcoming Gotham series from anything we've heard. Uh, nobody has ever done a serious live-action Batman series. So we've never gotten to see... The smaller stories, the the ones, the lighter ones in between, you know, presented in, in a, a straightforward dramatic format. Well, there is. Uh, it seems like the the character has been uh, brought back over the past couple decades with such reverence that it's got to be a little bit intimidating. In fact, you know, before they came up with the show Smallville, they may have been kicking around the idea of Little Gotham or something where you do have a show about this great canonical hero, but you do it all before he's the hero, Mm -hmm. which is something that Smallville did very well, but I don't think they would be, they would get away with it as well. If if you're doing Batman, it's just very intimidating. That's why, uh, you know, no one talks about Jesus at age 16. Mm -hmm. You know, if he's making 16 year old decisions, that takes him very far out from the idea we have of Bruce Wayne and the Bat. I mean, that's, that's my two as, cents. As, as Bruce Wayne is t- typically depicted in those years between when his parents die and when he becomes Batman, he's not having the kind of stories that lend themselves so well to an ongoing series. He's off getting training. He's off getting training. He's off getting training. And you're going to run into a few things here and there along the way. But, no, that's not that kind of story. Smallville worked because Superman... He grew up in that town with people around him and stories that he could move into, as, as, trying to understand his powers the same way we try to understand changes going on in ourselves during puberty. Batman, we always kind of envision him as skipping puberty. You don't mm-hmm. picture you know, Bruce Wayne on his first date. Nobody <laughs> thinks about Bruce Wayne on his first date. Yeah. Right, he better, there is a very direct loss of innocence with Bruce Wayne. I mean, as, as soon as his you know parents you know fall, there is no boy anymore, right? Yeah. It, it, you know that that is that is very considered the birth of Batman is as soon as his, his parents are are mm-hmm. killed, right? And right um, now, and, and this is actually what your course kind of touches on, right? Now, um, for for our uh, listeners out there, you. You literally teach the course on Batman, correct? I do. I, I <laughs> teach. I teach abnormal psychology, psychology of mental illness, more than anything else. But I also teach forensic psychology. Every spring, I teach a media-related class where I'm using 
fictional characters to talk about psychological concepts. And while it sounds ridiculous to the parents of some of my students, it gets the best course evaluations. They they learn. They say they learn more psychology than they expected they were going to. More than they learned in a lot of their other classes. You know, it, when when it's the Batman class, you know, I use Batman and these other characters to talk about a wide variety of aspects of psychology, mental illness, psychological development, you know, cognitive growth. How does somebody grow up to decide it's logical to fight crime dressed as a bat? Uh, you have moral development. How does it decide that's the moral correct thing to do? And I can use this filter of fiction to talk about some of the worst things in the world, which are a little harder. You say, I'm talking about John Walsh and his tragedy. You go on and on about that in a classroom that's very depressing to the students. It's also, I don't know what's in John Walsh's head. I don't know what was in the killer's head. We know the things they've told us, but we've got a limited amount of information, and it's not exactly fair to speculate on what's inside their heads. We, we go diagnosing living people. That's certainly unfair and unethical. We mm-hmm. can go through diagnosing these fictional characters, and they can't sue us. Although I made that comment once to uh, Wolverine and, and uh, Lucius Fox creator, Len Wein. He said, I, I wouldn't put it past Bruce Wayne to be able to sue you, even though he's fictional. <laughs> <laughs> he's that loaded. Well, he's a real hero. He could get a real lawyer. <laughs> but by talking about these things, some of the things that in my forensic psychology class are just too hard. You know, if we talk about when we talk about what effect it has when children lose their families to crime, and this really does happen, that's very hard on some of these students who they can listen to it while we're talking about through the fictional character, and I can bring in things we know about the psychology of real people, but it doesn't turn them away the same way it would. So we can use that fiction to look at some of the worst things, some of the most real psychology in ways we couldn't with real people. Well, do you find that you have to uh, like interject a lot of meaning to these characters in order to talk about it, or do you think, I mean, because the minds behind Batman over the years, clearly very creative, very expressive, mm-hmm. but not necessarily trained clinical psychologists. So do right. they luck into these perfect profiles, or do you have to <laughs> put more meaning into them, or are they just basically the same archetypes that have been around all through history that humanity has always used to sort of touch on what they don't understand? Well, the archetypes, the basic themes that occur in in every culture in the world, they'll influence people. These writers, some of them are very deliberately trying to pull in elements that will have specific effects on people. Others, they're winging it. They're going with what feels right. I mean, I've talked with a number of these writers, and they're never planning specific psychology. The few who do, like in one particular Batman graphic novel, uh, Batman Jekyll and Hyde, the guy mangled the psychology and psychiatry so horribly in the first three pages I couldn't keep reading. <laughs> I know some psychiatrist who wrote an article, a co-op piece for the New York Times, in which you know they were concerned about these characters not being given diagnoses, but it's like, I don't want these comic book writers giving diagnoses because the few times they do, they're wrong. The, the diagnoses they give don't tend to fit the behaviors. It's like, just write the characters and let us go see it's like, okay, what this kind of represents in the real world. It's like in the Big Bang Theory. The creators of the Big Bang Theory 
they do not intend to write Sheldon as somebody with Asperger's. And they know it keeps coming up, and they say, yeah, he does or he doesn't. We're not looking at Asperger's and trying to make Sheldon fit that. We're just trying to come up with things that seem Sheldon-y to us. If yeah. it happens to fit what these other people are looking at, then, then that's useful to them. But that's not how we're thinking about it. And likewise with uh, these comic book writers, it's like they're coming up with the characters that will have particular effects and meaning and are just interesting to them. Those characters who didn't just grab something in the psyche, they didn't stick around. Batman had an enemy, the Cavalier, and you know he didn't reflect or distort aspects of Batman and didn't have the emotional depth or potential that would make readers respond to him, so that character didn't stick around. So it's a bit of evolution as to those that have stuck around over the course of time. Well, that, that, that says something, yeah. I mean, they've been at least defined by what, what the readership wants to see. And there is something innate, whether you know it or not, if you're a Batman fan and you like a particular villain, there is that thread of it represents some part of Batman yeah, I, I, himself kind yeah. of turned on its head. Yeah, the, I, I, the I would say versus that. The, the of the Joker versus the 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 desire for the control and the and the calming blanket of the Batman, so on and so forth. Well, um, uh, my 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 observation of it is is that um, you know all, all of the um, the uh, rogues gallery, um, they all represent some kind of possible flaw in the Batman character. And it's, you know, it's basically Batman, uh, he's verse a possible flaw within himself as he goes through this, like, rogues gallery of the Joker, of the Riddler, of the Penguin, and so on and so on. They all represent a possible point in Batman where he can kind of go, where he can kind of go wrong. Yeah, the flaw is a good thing to focus on just in the creation of these characters. Why Superman's rogues gallery is not as well known, his weaknesses are so specific you end up with this kind of limited variety in what the villains uh, that challenge the weaknesses are. Wonder Woman has so few weaknesses that can you name a single Wonder Woman villain? Most people can't. Uh, yeah, most and, people and we don't care, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. and they don't care. With Batman, he's very human. He's got a number of different flaws. He's conscious of these. Some he, he's trying to turn them around and make them strengths. Why a bat? Because he's afraid of bats. And he's, he's trying to play with his strengths, as, as people can do in real life. You find this point that you have difficulty with, and you can give it the re- – maybe it's something to inspire you, or maybe it's the thing that you will find a way to find something useful with a thing that would be a weakness to other people. You're missing a leg, so you go play Dance Dance Revolution. By gosh, people remember that you p- were able to play that very well, you, your crutches, and one leg. Uh, as as one guy in the Legends of the Night uh, documentary yeah. does, uh, you, Batman is a character with many flaws. Uh, he's the most human out of these characters that we've been talking about from those classic superheroes. It's it's why he endured, why he stays with us, why he resonates, why we keep watching film after film and cartoon after cartoon, because he can fill it with him and his enemies in ways that these other hero individual heroes can't. He is, he is his greatest characteristic, his greatest quality is is his humanity. You know, his his self control is is part of what makes him the hero in the first place. It shows that you know you can become something more. You go through logically, no, you can't really become Batman, but it feels real. You know, Superman, you know, is bright and impossible. 
Batman is dark and improbably possible feeling, and that appeals to it. <laughs> I, you know, listening to you say all this, Doctor, I've got to now wonder: Did you watch cartoons as a kid? Oh yes. Did you uh, watch what do you them mean, as differently a, as a from kid? the rest of us? Well, yeah, I should not say that, but. But do you, do you, I mean, now you must, but even back then, did you watch them differently? Did you see or meaning? Were they kind of dense tomes of uh, episodes of Scooby-Doo and G.I. Joe when you were younger? Oh, I, I mean, they fascinated me. I loved the cartoons, and they, they excited me. And I, I would think about them. I would imagine... And of course, you know, I, I, I'm like I'm a kid who checked out a psychology book from the library in fourth grade because I wanted to figure people out. So <laughs> I, even though I don't, I didn't get much out of that book, but it does show it's like I was curious about some of the things that were different. So I mean, I, it was always in me to to think about people and fictional characters, uh, even when I even when I was too young to know there is no Superman. You know, I, I was fascinated with them, and you know, and not just the Superman. I, I loved other cartoons. Yeah, I got, well, I got, I got, I was excited about Saturday morning. I loved getting up early to go watch my cartoons. See, that's what we love to hear, and we we're always on the show striving to. I don't want to say justify, even though we throw that term around a lot, but or to rationalize. But I want to believe that it's all right to still find significance in that in that stuff. I, want, I don't want to feel that I am an infantile geek springing from a normal child who would watch because I loved my cartoons as a kid. And I, have not, and I still watch cartoons. Uh, but that was such a big part of my childhood that now that I'm an adult, I don't feel like I should have to totally let go of it. I feel like there, there are life lessons. There, there is, and uh, Legends of the Night does such a good job of absolutely setting it up as this is modern folklore. This Where, is as best as we are going to get uh, uh, at minstrels. And it's, it's like, um, it's where these, like, cartoons and these images, they kind of grow along with us, right? And, you know, as, as, as we age and as we, you know, become more experienced and, and, and we kind of go through life, um, the same story or the same cartoon we saw of Batman on that Saturday morning, um, we are taking more out of it. It was always there but we were just kind of too young to understand what the heck we were looking at. And, and, and now we kind of get to see this. And just the fact that it's, um, that we get to see it. Um, well, we get to learn about it in college courses now, thanks to you, um, uh, uh, doctor, <laughs> but also in these films and stuff that are like coming out. And it's just this kind of validation. And um, for all of the guests that we've, that we've talked to in this particular um, show, you know, we're, we're basically just here thanking you guys for kind of validating, you know, what we spend our time doing, right? It, it does mean something. It has been interesting to me the number of people who have, who have thanked me for, for writing my Batman and psychology book, for, thanked me for writing my own book, uh, because it, it is validating in a lot of different ways. When I was at New York Comic Con last year, I was getting interviewed, and there was this young wo woman who walked by in a Deadpool mask, and she stopped and stared until I was finally done with my interview, and she came up. She had been carrying my book around, hoping to cross paths with me there, and she had just been so excited, and, I'm, and she's telling me these things excitedly, and I'm thinking, could you lift the Deadpool mask so I can see who's saying these things to me? Uh, but... <laughs> 
she she had used this book to show her high school teacher that there is something here that there there's some some depth something where you can use these things that are fun and talk about serious things at the same time. And I've had a number of different experiences uh, like that, where, where students, and not just students, but where, where students would thank me uh, for, for, for writing that because they would use that to get an instructor somewhere else to see that, okay, there's more to it than they thought. I've given talks, I've given talks at a lot of colleges. I've given talks at community centers where people are coming in, generally probably thinking, what in the world is he doing? This is just <laughs> stupid. And I'll go through, and one example that really seems to hit people is when I remind them, remember back when you took math classes and you did a problem with two trains approaching each other at different speeds, and you had to figure out when they reached each other. Well, if somebody loves trains, that's the best way, to, best way to learn math. Why not have a whole math of trains course? I use fictional characters to help make the point on some very real things. And and we like you making that point because that's exactly, you know, uh, I, I think it's one of the driving forces why why Marky and I want to do this show. It's not to apologize. It's not to even validate. But it's just to say it's kind of normal, if not flat out healthy. Uh, you you don't have to turn your back on those ideas, on stories, on fiction, on made up ideas. Whatever you liked as a kid is part of who you are as an adult. So this this film and the work you do feed directly into that and make me feel less like a failure. <laughs> yeah, F- fiction created everything in this world. At some point, everything in every single thing in front of us was a fictional concept. The ability to create fire was something somebody imagined and wished they could do. You know, the the ability to move things where you helped lead to the wheel. And wishing that you could have a date with such and such person. Well, that'll lead to whether or not you, you take the chance to ask them out on that date. Everything is fictional at some point until we do it. All right, this is it. I, I, yeah, the validation just keeps building. We've talked. We've talked to uh, to Brett Culp, uh, and we also just talked to. Before I let you go, in fact, I want to touch on this, but we also talked to uh, Jill Pantosi, mm-hmm. and uh, we asked her what we should ask you. Oh, and this oh, is what this is what she she thinks we should ask you about. So before we let you okay. go, we want to get you on the spot with this. We understand there was some sort of a mishap at the San Diego Comic-Con a couple years oh, ago. Oh, I know where you're heading. Okay, on a panel where there was a Catwoman actress. Okay. We, yeah. She wouldn't give us any more. Well, tell us we about want to hear what the hell's going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. This is, well, of course, the key part of it is one of those words we can't say on here. Um, all right. There was an article that Jill had written, that, as it got published on one website, the title was 10 Reasons I Want to Marry Batman. And another site, it was 10 Reasons I Want to Something Else Batman. <laughs> and I had mentioned uh, to uh, one of the organizers of the scholarly panels at San Diego Comic-Con, that uh, she had this, and it was part of the reason I wanted her there, but to talk, because it was a panel about Batman's love life. And he said, well, well, we'll tell her to say the title, just you know, say it as 10 reasons I want to, mm, Batman. And mm-hmm. so I told her that, and I said, and say it just like that. 
Uh, and I'd even, and we did it twice, but I guess because of the noise and the circumstance, it came across as me saying, I wanted her to say the actual word instead of just making a mmm on that word. <laughs> and so here we are on the panel, and we got to that point, and it's, uh, yeah, Lee Merriweather's next to me, and there's Jill down there, and we've got Michael Uslan and a, another psychologist on the panel. And, and, so Jill said the title because it had sounded to her like I was saying say the title word for word, and <laughs> and and Lee Merriweather's eyes just went wide, and and some other people later on were saying it's like why did she say that in front of that audience? It's like because it sounded like we were telling her to, and it's so, and I, I I blame myself for having done it in a, a noisy environment when I was conveying that. Now, now, Dr. Langley, you're, you're a psychology professor. Couldn't we just yeah. say that deep down she really did just want to say it? <laughs> exactly. It well, that's one I'm about to go back and ask Jill. <laughs> well, I, I so, yeah, so Jill has had uh, the, the privilege of drop, dropping the F-bomb and, and making a cat woman's eyes go wide. Oh. Which we all wanted to do once with her, anyway. Yeah, that, um, okay. that sounds suggestive enough. Yeah, well I done. love the Catwoman character and and all the women that have played her so far. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and I am very fascinated with your topic of of uh, expertise. Um, it's something that I, um, again, I I always thought was there. You know, I always thought there was a lot of purpose behind these characters and. And I'm glad that it's taken seriously. Um, when we had Mr. Culp on the on, uh, on the show earlier, um, I really I wholeheartedly thanked him for producing this film, and I want to thank you for promoting this as a serious study. I think it's absolutely necessary, and, and it kind of explains why we love these characters so much. Um, so thank you again. The um, but just to play a little game here. Okay. I'd like to know, and um, if you could just go through a quick, a what do they call it in psychology? Is it a diagnosis or an evaluation? You know, I, I'd like you to kind of go through this rogues gallery. Um, I'd like you to include Batman, and you know, just you know, what is wrong with these guys? You know, starting with Batman, you know, uh, how would you diagnose him? You know, what is he suffering from, or what is he experiencing? Um, and He's then suffering from heroism, Mark. <laughs> heroism, <laughs> sure, but. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, uh, I'm going to put it back to you. Um, what's up with Batman? What's up with the Riddler, Joker? You know, what do they all represent in your field? Yeah, let's, let's make this a, a, a realistic little chunk. Uh, if you just want to do Batman, uh, the Joker, Riddler, and Penguin, uh, we'll just call okay. that the rope scout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, they could, t- they could take quite a while with any of these. Yeah. Well, because yeah, I have yeah. a lot of things that I talk about with these characters besides just mental illnesses. You know, but uh, in terms of going with something like mental illness, the, some of the main things people bring up with Batman is those who think he has multiple personality, those who think he has PTSD, uh, multiple personality, no, absolutely not. You know, they don't even understand what that means if they think multiple personality. He's always the same person. He's always Batman. He knows who he is. He's less conflicted about his identity than Superman. That one absolutely does not fit him, even as he's putting the, the, this, this Bruce Wayne front and this, this extra scary Batman who has to be larger than life and can't act like he gets hurt. There's a Batman act there, too. There's the real self down there in the Batcave. You know, when he's alone or maybe talking to Alfred with the mask off and part of the costume on, 
you, you see what's going on with this man, and that guy is always there, even when he's putting on the extra acts and bringing out other aspects of himself. PTSD, part of it depends on what point in his career you're talking about, but he has a number of symptoms, yes, but he does not have stress symptoms that are interfering with him being able to function at the main things he wants to do in life. You know, it's... You know, he might have some sleep deprivation because he's not let himself go to sleep, but he is able to sleep. He does not actually have insomnia. He does not have flashbacks of the murder that interfere with him being able to go out and save somebody's life. He will dwell on these things. He will show certain symptoms of PTSD, absolutely. But people who show what we call post-traumatic growth show some of those symptoms. They are affected by it, and they use it to grow and find their mission and do things in life like with, with John Walsh and Candace Leitner, some of the examples they used, or Teddy Roosevelt. Christopher Nolan used Teddy Roosevelt as his example to understand Bruce Wayne. You know, Teddy Roosevelt lost his, his wife and his mother to different illnesses in the same house on the same day. And he, this was a, a guy who had grown up with an affluent family, a father who was a philanthropist, a man he admired, and he'd had these tragedies all happen. And in his diary, he wrote that the life had gone out from his life and drew this big X and went off into the Dakota Badlands, apparently planning to die. And then he came back. Somehow, whatever happened to him out there, he came back reinvigorated. He became a police commissioner, fighting crime and sticking up for the underprivileged in New York. So long before he was president, he was the heroic rough rider, and Christopher Nolan felt that was the key to understanding Bruce Wayne. And that's an example of post-traumatic growth. The tragedy's not left behind, but you're using it for a constructive purpose at the purpose you want to do in life. And the things Batman wants to do in life, nobody does them better. Who's going to fall apart in a crisis first, him or us, not him? The Joker. Well, the Joker defies diagnosis. We do not know what goes on inside his head. And we, can, we can talk about signs that he's psychotic. One of the stories that's most often used as one to show that he was really out of touch with, with reality was the time he tried to copyright fish, and he did not understand why he couldn't copyright fish. And I, I've discussed this with author Steve Englehart, and he wanted something that was just crazy on the face of it. And while he, that does sound very crazy, it, Maybe it's insanity, but then again, maybe it's just failure to understand copyright law. (laughs) (laughs) Which will drive you nuts, okay? Whether the Joker actually qualifies as insane, you have to go to the criteria for insanity. Does he know what he's doing? Yeah. Does he know it's considered wrong? Yeah. That's part of the fun for him. So by some of your main criteria for criminal insanity in our world, he wouldn't actually fit, and that's the main thing that comes up with him. Penguin... You want to get one thing we could use with Penguin. He has what uh, people refer to as a Napoleon complex. He's the small man who wants to be bigger. From the very first story he ever appeared in, he wanted to be a crime boss and he wanted to rise up in high society. He, he wants to be a big man. Several stories over the years have had him running for mayor, not because he wants to do good things for Gotham, because he wants that status. He wants the status that goes with it and the attention. His hat makes him taller. His umbrella, when extended, helps him take more area. He could lose some of that weight. He wouldn't because it helps him take more space. The Riddler, two main things we talk about with the Riddler, narcissism. He's one of the most narcissistic characters in the entire rogues gallery, and that takes some doing. He's one of the (laughs) absolute most full of himself. And an OCD. Obsessive-compulsive disorder. Now, there, there are a lot of times in his career where 
you know, he's not feeling as compelled to send the riddles. And, and he enjoys sending them. He enjoys the challenge. But he goes through spells where he feels so compelled to do them, he's eaten up with anxiety. There was one story in the late 60s in which he decided, you know what, I, I do enjoy these riddles, but I really would like to just get away with a crime once because this is very self-defeating behavior. He reads psychiatric <laughs> literature to try to train himself not to send the riddles, and he ends up sending them unconsciously anyway. And so he has a, a lot of OCD qualities, and... One of the main criteria in OCD is that the person actually has the ability to recognize that there is something wrong with this behavior. That's changed a little in the new DSM. And the Riddler, you know, there are times when he says, you know what, I, th- I think I might be crazy. <laughs> that that self-awareness isn't enough to make him uncrazy, though, is it? Is what you're telling right. me. Well, because they, right. yeah, yeah, they, yeah, the, the self-awareness just helps pin down which kind of crazy it is. So it sounds like, well... See, I like the idea that you didn't just rattle off some possible diagnosis, especially when you got to the Joker. I was like, the, if, you, if you're able to just pick one, that's going to take a lot of the fun out of it for me. Right. Right. But, so I, I know. There, there are yeah. a few writers who've tried to delve a little more into the Joker, Joker's background. No. We, the less we really know about him, the, the better. In The Dark Knight, where he, he gives us these inconsistent origins – it's like when yeah. he tells the second one, it's like, oh, he's lying. And the third one, it's like, yeah, this is the Joker. We don't really need to know his past. Of course, that third one where Batman cuts him off, you know, but I know you got these, the scars. And we, <laughs> yeah. we, 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 we cheer for Batman not buying into the Joker's crap, but part of us kind of wanted to know what that other lie was going to be. Is that, is that a healthy curiosity or a morbid curiosity? I mean, when we're talking about things that we are supposed to view as dangerous and, you know, unsalvageable. It can be both. It really is. I mean, it's initially healthy. We want to understand what's out there. We've got to defend ourselves. We've got to be on guard. It can be it can become unhealthy if you become obsessed by it. In one way, it's like if you end up adoring these dark things and want to, you know, you become a you know, a fan of serial killers and that sort of thing. That's one healthy extreme. Another unhealthy extreme is being so preoccupied with these things and all the horrible things that could happen in life that you, know, you forget good things can happen. But, yeah, we do. We need to understand as much as we can, and we can't always understand, but we, we want to understand why is this kid picking on me. We want to understand why are these other things happening so maybe we can change them, maybe we can make others, other things happen in life you know we're wondering about people all our lives and some of the earliest things we're wondering about is why is that person doing that well that's true i mean i guess you do have to wonder to a certain degree i just Mm -hmm. it seems like a dangerous game to try and put yourself in the mind of a fictional psychotic possible psychotic but it is so Uh, much fun yeah yeah because that's one reason i I, it's it's easier to do with the fictional. It's when you're trying to get inside the minds of the real ones. Like profilers, that's a very, very rough occupation. It's very hard on them. They're going through spending their minds trying to get inside the, ho- the minds of some of the world's most heinous human beings, and that really wears on them. It is hard on them emotionally, and they, they you know, have to deal with it in a variety of different ways. I'm using the fictional character... I'm using that, you know, again, as a, an additional degree of separation from the true horror 
well, we, we touch on the true horror here and there and then go back to the fiction where it's safer to look at the true horror. Well, this, this, this is already kind of sounding like we're stealing college education from you. I'm getting a little, <laughs> I know. A little yeah. lightheaded. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I should have been taking notes and some of my school anxiety is coming back. So maybe that means we're, we're, we're probably past the point where I can comprehend. <laughs> oh, I really want to thank you for talking to us, though, sir. That, uh, this, it's a fascinating idea. And, and I think you're right. It's about the safety and the relative, you know, uh, understanding beforehand that we have to use characters that are exactly what we think they are to look well, at things well, that we have no control over. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for inviting me. I've really, I've really enjoyed talking with you guys. This, this has been fun, and this has been different from a lot of the other interviews I do. Well, oh. we, we like that, I think. Yeah. 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 Well, well, wait, why? What, what have we done wrong? <laughs> no, nothing wrong. It's, uh, yeah, we, you just, you, you get delved a little more into depth into some of what we've been doing with these characters and why we're doing these things. Yeah, well, you know, this is uh, this is kind of why we're here. I mean, um, this the the project that you are a part of um, and the courses that you teach is really in tune with what this show is about. You know, we you know we are looking for that 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 purpose you know and we saw it in this film and you know again we thanked you know uh um you know we thank mr culp for that and and you know and again we thank you for for how well you like for how well you treated this um but this is why we are here we're here to basically you know move this conversation along we want to move it into the adult field um and you do a great great service to us and so we thank you for coming on with us um Yes. If you have any final questions for him, uh, nope. Uh, no, un- unless you've got a uh, TV show to promote or anything, <laughs> Doctor. Yeah. I've got one project several of us are working on this year. You know, this year is Batman's 75th anniversary, and the other anniversaries I mentioned include the 100th anniversary of the birth of Bill Finger, the uncredited co-creator of Batman, you know, Bob Kane came up with the name, but most of what you think of as Batman came from Bill, you know, making the darker costume, making it more bat-like mask, making a scalloped cape instead of the Da Vinci bat wings, Batmobile, Commissioner Gordon, Gotham City, on and on and on. The things we think of as Batman generally came, and, and the villains, they generally came from Bill Finger, and most people don't know that. And so several of us are, are using this year to try to really push uh, to help People discover Bill Finger, and right now there's a campaign to get a, a Google Doodle to mark to mark the 100th birthday of Bill Finger, which will be next month. And some of us are about in a few weeks. We're going to have a Kickstarter going for a campaign to put together a, a Bill Finger tribute, including a, a short film to really help people get to know things about him. And so that'll be coming up very shortly. That does suck. I know very little I about Bill Finger. I know that he was a co-creator of Batman. I mean, in all fairness, I don't know much about Bob Kane either. But, but regardless, you, but this is you a good know, time but to you look know back. his name, and a whole lot more people know his name. Yeah. Well, in all fairness, his last name isn't Finger. That's uh, it's just a tough sell from from day one for the poor guy. Well, see, that's our point is to raise the finger and help people <laughs> discover Bill. Finger for Bill Finger. Yes, that's okay. right. 
on a mission to give the world the finger. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> expect me to be in the audience because I would like to know more about it. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, the book is Batman and Psychology, A Dark and Stormy Night. Uh, if you happen to go to Henderson State University, I think you might be able to pay for this man's knowledge. Uh, in the meantime, it's you're free right now. have to get it all out of the book. Yeah. Day uh, when we've discovered something else truly groundbreaking about uh, geek culture. Another bat time, another bat channel. We're right. Oh, great <laughs> sign off. Take care. All right, Marky. Was it everything you hoped for? <laughs> yeah, well, it was a taste, you know. I mean, I, I would have to take his whole course to really get into the, you know. True, true. Yeah. It is It is such a deep subject, such an idea that you could explore it forever and ever, but it, it is fun to have an actual legitimate yeah, professor. It, well, you know, it's it's funny that you even bring this up because you were instrumental. Um, I've known you for 20 years now, um, and you were instrumental in, uh, again, validating, <laughs> you know, my interests um, in that I, you know, your dad is a, you know, dean of the English department at a university and you were, you were always so well-spoken, but you actually introduced me to this idea of an archetype. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. The old star Wars archetype. Yeah. And you know, me being a big star Wars fan and, and you know, I was always just like, see, I knew it mattered. You know, I knew it. Right. And, and so, you know, 20 years ago that, that all kind of got to me. And so, um, I tend to look for this in the things that I am really passionate about. I mean, you know, what does it mean in kind of the broader scope? You know, what does it mean in, in, in reality? What place does it have? What does it mean? Um, and so, you know, when I had the opportunity, well, actually, and I, I have, I have known about Travis Langley for a while. Um, and I knew that he was teaching this course and it was such a pleasure to, to be able to, uh, you know, speak with him. Yeah. And, and, and you've known about him for a long time through your yeah. Comic-Con adventure. Right, right? exactly. And, and He's a well-known uh, pop geek, psych, psych, uh, I want to say psychology professor, I guess uh, a pop geek uh, yeah, he, expert. He exists will. and he, you know, he maneuvers in this realm, right? Um, and it, it just so happens, you know, that he has a Ph.D., right? And so he applies this to you know to these themes and and in this specific case batman um and i have just always been really really super interested in and you know we even asked him about this and um the 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 major difference between batman and pretty much everybody uh, all the other superheroes minus maybe spider-man but batman has the best villains yes you know and um they all seem to kind of represent an aspect, well, the major ones. I don't know about all of them. I'm just now learning about, like, Clayface and things like that because of the video game that I'm playing, um, Arkham City. It's awesome. Um, but, the, um, you know, I'm just now learning about a lot of the villains, but the, the key Batman villains that, that we're all familiar with, Joker, Riddler, Penguin, Catwoman, um, they represent Bane. Um, they represent a kind of a alternate aspect of Bruce Wayne and Batman that gets kind of uh, it's like a hyper version of Bruce Wayne and Batman that gets kind of thrown back at him, you know. And you know, no, we did not have enough time to get into that. Right? There's so much more to learn, and you know, we should all buy his book, take his class, 
study, learn more about it. It's going to take us, you know, a long time to really get to the meat and potatoes behind it. But Batman, Bruce Wayne, you know, he could be the corrupt bureaucrat like Penguin. You know, mm-hmm. he has the resources, right? Yeah. Um, yep. You know, he could he could have taken this um, tragedy that be, that befell upon him and, you know, become the psychopath that the Joker is. Yeah. You yep. know, he could have done that. You know, and so all of these villains kind of represent a mere image of what Batman could have been. And yet his consistency of choice exactly. throughout his... Uh, is to go through it. Uh, yes. Yeah. To... to Take take what was bad and make the world a better place exactly. because he doesn't want that. Those guys, his villains, and where Batman is unique is that his villains have the same situation and make different choices than Batman. And that is why I believe Travis, you know, Dr. Travis Langley is in this particular film is because he highlights that um, that difference, right? He, he really brings that out. And again... Uh, in the stories, uh, and you guys are going to hear all about this in the in the film of the Pataluma Batman, Jill Pantosi, you know, and uh, Bat Kid, you know, yep. <laughs> you know, well, young young Kai, young Kai. I'm sorry, He's just just like Bat Kid, but uh, it was a few years ago in Texas. Uh-huh. Uh, another awesome, touching story. Uh, it was an amazing story with 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 Kai. Um, you know, they they could have taken this situation or this this hand that they were dealt or whatever and they could have gotten knocked down by it but instead they decided to make different choices you know they yep. they got up and they they kept going and it it they use batman to inspire them and now they stand to inspire us and that there is why i as soon as i finished watching this film i looked over at grim shea here and i said wow Batman's real, right? Yeah, <laughs> I said that, and I remember I kind of shook my head a little bit. Like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> and then I said, "Oh, yeah, well, this does make him a real hero." Yes, he's still a fictional character, but right. that apparent if if nothing else, as we said earlier, if nothing else, that just makes him as a hero that much more real. Right. If. If at the end of the day, if Batman in the movie or if Batman in the comic book or whatever, if Batman is wearing a mask and, you know, he's wearing a bat on his chest and if, he, if you're shining the bat signal up in the sky, if the purpose of all of that was to inspire you, that is what he's accomplishing in real life. Mm-hmm. As, as exemplified by the 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 personalities and the stories that are in this film. Don't take my word for it. Watch this movie yourselves. Um, it's coming to a theater near you. Mm-hmm. Wearebatman.com. You can get all the details. You can also hop on our site, mattypradio.com. Um, it's, you know, I'm putting up articles and trailers and all that stuff. You can see all that stuff on What there. if I just do everything through Twitter, though? How am I supposed to find you then? Well, you can always... Twitter search Brett Culp. He's got a really, you know, active uh, Twitter feed. But I also do. It's at Stay Classy SDCC. Stay Classy SDCC. Um, I try to put up at least a couple of things every day. Some of it has to do with Batman. Some of it just has to do with Comic-Con. But, um, yeah, you can get all that information. It's all out there for you. This movie's worth your time. Um, it's worth your efforts. And if it's not coming to a theater near you, 
make it make happen. it come to a theater yeah. near you. Jesus. You can do that through wearebatman.com. Reach out for Brett Culp. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We believe in the Batman inside you. And if you didn't want him there, tell an adult. <laughs> thank you, guys. For, thank you all. All right. We're going to see you next time. Thanks for joining us here at Maddie P. Presents Saturday Morning Serial. And until next time, uh, should we do the same bat? Lawsuit. I love that. Oh, we are. We are going to need a lawyer. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.